dear listener, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's brilliant sun... Well, I say it's brilliant sunshine out there. It's bright, it's light. It was light. What time did I see the sunrise? At about 4.30 it was bright. Driving up the M1, wonderful. You'd have thought it was nearly spring. Lots coming up on the show this morning, as always. Love to get your opinion on some of these stories. Very feisty show this morning. I suspect there may be arguments. Uh... Male prisoners should work harder for their privileges. The government's introducing the new changes from November. What incentives do you think prisoners should be allowed to earn? Do you think prisoners have it too easy? Love to hear your opinion if you've been in prison. If you just watch from the outside and think, oh, for goodness sakes, what's going on there? As you heard in the news, it all kicked off at a council meeting in Luton last night. This is because parents were unhappy about free transport to faith schools being cut. Our reporter Lorna Hankin was there and witnessed all the shouting in the public gallery. And we'll find out how you can follow someone else's hip operation that's taking place at a Hertfordshire hospital live on your computer. Oh, dear. I say, oh, dear, actually. I'm morbidly uh, intrigued by this. You can get in touch, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. But as always, the best way to get in touch is via the email. Not the email, I'm not talking about the telephone. Sorry, I'm thinking because I've got to email a gentleman in America. Oh dear me, it's going to be one of those days. Oh, 08459 455 555. I can only apologise. BBC Three Counties Radio. I've turned into a Wally Webb. The government's announced a new scheme to make male prisoners work harder for privileges. From November, inmates will wear a uniform for two weeks and have restricted access to cash and television. The Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, says he wants them to earn rewards by taking part in work, education and rehabilitation. Our reporter Justin Dealey has been to Bovingdon in Hertfordshire, where they have the Mount Prison, and he asked people what privilege what privileges prisoners deserve. This is what they said. Well, it's supposed to be prison, isn't it? it you know, they, they should go in there, they should have, well, not necessarily porridge like they used to get, but, you know, they, they should have just the basic things which they need, you know, a toilet, a bed. But they don't have DVDs, pool, Sky, the, the privilege of using phones. None. They've lost their benefits when they uh, either break in or do robbery or cause trouble. Well, I can't swear, can I? No, you can't. Uh, nothing. No, why? They've, they've committed a crime. Where the taxpayers, etc., are paying for them to be put up in a hotel, which <coughs> Joey has called it, and uh, it is a hotel. Bits and pieces that I haven't even got at home, and I work. Mm. So why should they be given that? So they no. shouldn't be entitled to absolutely anything apart from the basics? Nope. I think they should have basic rights, human rights, and vary it according to the severity of the crime. So if somebody goes in for shoplifting, should they be entitled to a television or a PlayStation? Yeah. But the higher the crime, again, they've got to get tough. Absolutely. If you've, um, you've got a prisoner that's in there for murder, rape, paedophiles, or whatever you want to call it, they should have no privileges whatsoever. I, I just don't, don't agree with anything at all. They should be made to... We're not made to suffer, because that's ridiculous, but I think they should definitely... They're in there for a punishment, and that's it. 
total punishment. Well, that was uh, people speaking to our reporter, Justin Dilly, who I have to confirm has never done any bird whatsoever. Steve Cattell lives in Hertfordshire. The last time he was arrested, he'd just committed 16 burglaries in four and a half hours. At that time, he was one of Britain's most persistent criminals. He's since turned his life around. Morning, Steve. Good morning. Steve, what do you make of some of these changes? Um... It's, it's a very difficult, very difficult question because um, basically the, the changes really were instigated through the riots uh, within the prison system because people were locked up 23 hours a day um, through lack of work within the prison system. I don't see any change in that. There don't seem to be uh, as much work in the prison system. Therefore, what they gave them was a TV to actually while the 23 hours a day behind their door away. So things like the Sky Sports, and eight, this is according to the front page of the Mail, Sky Sports and rated, rated DVDs will no longer um, th- th- be available just for being good. You'll have to earn them. Yeah, well, I think it's absolutely, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm with every person that just uh, had their own comments. I think um, having Sky and DVDs and, and walking around in, in, if you can afford it, you know, the drug dealers that go in there, the high-profile high criminals that go in there, having two or three hundred pound pairs of trainers walking around, you know, with seven or eight hundred pounds worth of gold around their neck is, is yeah, it's just ridiculous. But So the, you, the, you agree, you agree that, that then with these changes that prisoners should have to earn the right to watch Sky TV, they should earn the right to I wear what they, they want? they should have Sky TV. Sorry? I don't think they should have Sky TV. At all? No. Even no, if even if they they work hard and, and no. go on rehabilitation programs, no, because the rehabilitation programs then would just be a carrot. You know, you go on our programs, we'll give you a TV. You go on our programs, we'll actually uh, subscribe you to Sky TV. They're not going on them programs because they want to go on them programs to change their lives and become a model citizen when they're released. They're going on there because they're getting rewarded for something within the prison system. Well, we can all do that. What privileges did you have in prison, Steve? Um, I basically, I mean, on my last sentence, yes, I had all of the privileges that they, they still have got basically now in prison. And what effect did those privileges have on you? Uh, the TV drove me mad. Um, I, I, I just wished they took my television away. Could you not turn it off? <laughs> yeah, I could do. Then I could hit my cellmate with a bucket. Sorry? I could hit my cellmate with a bucket. Why would you do that? Well, because he want, he wouldn't want the TV taken right. away. So he wa- he wanted the TV on. And you don't want the TV on. You want to read a book. You can't read a book because he's watching telly. You want to go to sleep. He yeah. wants to watch a late film. Yeah. So, I mean... It, well, that's a punishment in itself, isn't it? it yeah, w- without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, the main focus... The main focus that Mr Grayling, who has no idea whatsoever of the prison system, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he was just basically, I think, a, a kind of lackey for work and pensions department mm. and doesn't understand the, 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 the prison and the justice system whatsoever. Um, what they need to be focusing on is if this, this programme that they have on, on BBC, I think it is, uh, which is called Prisoners, um, that... Every single prisoner seems to be highlighting one thing, is when they go out, they've got nowhere to live. Um, And when they go out and they've got nowhere to live, they steal, 
they still are to go back to prison rather than sleep on a park bench or in a very cold shop door. So just finally, Steve, you're su- suggesting that some people, um, they choose to go to prison because actually it's better than being outside. Because, yeah, because the focus is, the focus is not, the focus in prison should be on rehabilitation, but you should have the, the, the full backup programme when they're released. Steve, thank you very much indeed. That's Steve Cattell, lives in Hertfordshire, uh, was at one point uh, one of Britain's most persistent criminals. So what do you think, dear listener? Do prisoners have it too easy? What do you think? Hang on a second. We can't. We can't go back to the Victorian times. We can't act like the Nazis. We have to. We have to give them something. And yes, they should have Sky Sports. They should have their PlayStations. It's only PlayStation Two, by the way. So, what do you think, prisoners? Do they have it too easy? Do you agree with these uh, changes that are coming into place? They'll be denied access to Sky Sports and mucky movies. And then they'll no longer win privileges simply for keeping out of trouble. Now, it all kicked off at a meeting uh, in Luton last night. It's all because free transport for faith schools is to be scrapped. Pupils and parents started jeering from the public gallery of the town hall when the borough council announced their decision. Members of the executive walked out, refusing to return until they left the building. Well, Lorna Hankin, our reporter, was there. Lorna, this sounds very exciting. What happened? Yeah, well, there was over 100 parents and pupils were gathered outside the town hall for this meeting. They were chanting, they were holding banners. A lot of the people there were affiliated with Cardinal Newman Roman Catholic school. The meeting started, the hundreds of kids filled the public gallery all with their posters. We heard from um, two parents and a head teacher as to why they wanted to keep the transport but the executive voted against them. The decision was made quite quickly and the leader of the Labour run Borough Council, Hazel Simmons, moved on to the next item of the agenda and it kind of took a while for people to realise exactly what had happened. Is there anybody else It got very exciting, uh, didn't it? There's obviously, a lot of angry people there. Why do they feel so passionately about this? Well, parents say it's about religion, costs, safety and broken promises. Now, when Cardinal Newman Catholic School was first built, there was a promise that free transport would always be provided to and from the school. The parents also argue that when Labour wanted to get into power in Luton, they said it would retain this. And now that they're in power, they've gone back on their word. Mm. There's also the argument that it discriminates against them because of their religion, because they want their child to go to a Catholic secondary school, and this is the only one in the town, that they have no choice but to get a bus to get there. They worry about their kids' safety because without the bus, they're going to have to walk to town to get to 
two public buses there so there's a safety concern and of course there is the cost it's going to be about 600 pounds per year per child and although low income families will get it free it's only going to apply to parents who earn a joint income of less than 16,000 pounds a year that's quite low and mm. um, which means many working parents like Melissa Conroy will not fit that criteria in September now my daughter will start Cardinal Newman we live in Houghton Regis but now how does myself a single mum of three children pay now for school meals which currently cost 18 pound a week on top of bus fares to go from Houghton Regis there's no direct bus that's going to take her to Cardinal Newman and for the fact of I'm a working single mum I'm not entitled to nothing to me it's so important for my children to go to school in our faith but I've got two other children my youngest is four by the time he reaches of a high school age Cardinal Newman sadly I don't feel will no longer be a Catholic school because Catholic parents who live even further out than me there is no possible way they can afford to send one, two, three, four children so far on buses on a daily basis These kids are age 11 upwards Yes I used to get us uh, uh, buses from the age of 11 to school mm. and I grew up in Slough which is um rough very than Luton? Uh, it's it, it, it Slough, Slough then. Yes, it was quite rough. It definitely was rough back in the in the 80s when I was getting buses to school. So Cuz cuz the parents I spoke to they were worried about their kids being on their own that they've got to walk to the bus stop yeah. that they've got to get the um public transport bus yeah, yeah, so yeah. they've got further to go and also it's going to be something like two buses so it's not like a direct bus there either so I... that was a concern over their safety in particular what, what do you think oh dear listener oh eight four five nine four double five five double five am i being a little bit cold and harsh here i used to get buses to school when i was 11 and it was in slough which back then was was horrible it's a lot nicer now I, I, i'm assured but it was it was rough then am i being a little bit insensitive oh eight four five nine four double five five double five what did the council say well luton borough council will argue it will save them over £760,000 to get rid of the free bus services and that would be from um, September this year and then go over the next two school years. They're offering up an additional £420,000 to be split between those schools affected to make up for it. But the parents I spoke to said that doesn't interest them, it doesn't solve the problem of them getting that bus and also that the money won't last. Now they issued a statement after the meeting saying... We are fortunate that we live in a democracy. Oh, one of those, okay. Where yeah. everyone has the right to protest. And at the executive meeting, parents, children, residents, and school representatives exercised that right. However, jog on. We <laughs> We're will, not changing. <laughs> we will endeavour to work with the school, young people, parents, and bus operators to secure the best possible solution. Leader of the Labour run Borough Council, Hazel Simmons, has promised to come on this programme after seven okay. this morning to explain more. But she has previously told us in the past that it's simply about them having to save money somewhere. The council has to make significant cuts that have been imposed upon them by the government, 49 million over the next three years, and we agreed at the start of this process we would look at all areas of service that, uh, that the council does, and uh, we spend about a million pounds on home-to-school transport, not just denominational, but across all the school transports, and we're having to look at reducing some of the costs of that. So Hazel Simmons is coming on after seven, is she? Yes. Do you want to get your, your questions to her, if you, if you were there last night, if you want to speak to her, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Give us a call now, 
and um, we'll, we'll put you through to Hazel after seven. Lorna, what happens now? Well, the decision, it seems like it's been made, um, but what happened has a lot of, um, left a lot of parents more angry because the noise erupted. All the members of the executive, apart from Labour councillor Tom Shaw and the Liberal Democrat Martin Pantlin, basically all walked out of the meeting and they refused to come back in until all the parents and the pupils left. Wow. So they kind of feel like they haven't been able to put their questions to them, haven't got the response they were looking for. Um, they stayed around for another 20 minutes. The chanting carried on, but then they dispersed. The executive did come back in and carried on as if nothing had happened. They started eating more teasers, by the way. Um, a man did start shouting. They, he was saying that they were a disgrace, that this wasn't democracy. He was escorted quietly out and the meeting carried on. Do we live in North Korea or something? <laughs> What's going well, on? Head teacher of Cardinal Newman School, Jane Crow, and parent Laura Wilkinson's both spoke at the meeting last night and this was their reaction to what happened. It just seems as if Lorna, I know you put on... This went on for ages, this meeting, didn't it, last night? Yes, it did, it did go on for a while. Thank you very That's much right. for doing it. I appreciate you coming no in. Worries. Well, you've heard it. If you, didn't, if you feel you didn't get your say last night, Hazel Simmons is coming on. You can have your say this morning. 08459 455 555. What do you want to put to Hazel Simmons? Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a very feisty show this morning, a lot of anger. Don't forget, Hazel Simmons will be on this show after 7 o'clock this morning. If you were at the protests last night, on the meeting, and part of the protests for the, uh, regarding the um, getting rid of the free school transport for Cardinal Newman School, could you give me a call? 08459 555 and you can uh, speak to Hazel and put your point to her. Also, I used to get the bus to school. When I was 11, that was quite a distance and it involved a lot of walking, a lot of busing and going through Slough, which in the 80s was a flippin' horrible. Is it really such a big thing? I'd like to hear your journeys to school stories, please. 08459 455 555. Other things include, uh, coming up include a new £22 million redevelopment in Milton Keynes to move the National Badminton Centre to the National Bolt has been given the thumbs up. But not everybody is happy about it. Some residents, here we go, heckled councillors and shouted lies at a meeting last night. We'll find out why. Very uh, aggressive lots of you in the three counties last night. Well done. And we'll find out how you can watch someone else's hip operation taking place at a Hertfordshire hospital live on your computer. Wowzers. A new £22 million redevelopment in Milton Keynes to move the National Badminton Centre to the National Bowl was last night given the go-ahead. To fund the building, more than 100 homes will be built on the site of the current badminton centre in Loughton. Well, some residents heckled and shouted lies when the plans were discussed at last night's development meeting. Our reporter Jessica Cooper was there and spoke to some residents afterwards. Although I'm happy for the new centre, that that's a good development, I'm very much against the impact it will have on the local residents mm. with respect to traffic, noise, 
and the spoiling of a beautiful area. And why didn't you want this development to go ahead? I back up everything that she said, and we are not against development, and if the Badminton Centre can progress and become a real national, national event, then good. But an awful lot is con- is conditional on that. But what is wrong is that it's conditional on being the, the housing development is conditional upon that being built until the other facilities didn't seem to be mentioned that a hundred houses will will impact on schools, doctors. I know one of the objectors said, but that seemed to have got lost very easily, all the auxiliary things that go along with a hundred plus houses. There was quite a lot of heckling (laughs) in the public gallery. People were really quite annoyed, weren't they, about this? Is that... Um, what, what the feeling's like in Loughton? I think generally that is the feeling, isn't it? I, I, we are not against progress, and I don't think that we object to everything that's proposed at all. In fact, we belong to a group of people that work in the community to improve and make the community nice and a good place to live in. So we're not against that at all. I'm joined by two people now. Alex Regan is chairman of the residence group for people who live opposite the current badminton centre and Adrian Christie is the chief executive of Badminton England. Good morning to both of you gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, Alex, firstly to you, how do you feel about the decision? Well, I think the um, fact that it was a unanimous decision is um, indicative of the fact that the Badminton Association put up a good fight and had their their, uh, information in quite uh, early and we... uh, Unfortunately, with the small people. What, what do you mean by that? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you feel that you never stood a chance to win this? Um, in retrospect, probably yes. Um, the reality is it's, it's rather akin to the, uh, the uh, Cyprus saving situation where the rules that were in place for planning were uh, overridden because there was a secondary development at the pole. Why don't you want the homes to be built in the current place of oh, the no, Badminton Centre? No, 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 no. Let's let's put this. It's not about the homes. Right. It's about it's about the overall sympathetic nature of the development and also the impact on the local area. So you're you're happy for the homes to go ahead? Well, let's no. Let's put this in. In um, in essence, the the homes and the development are a possibility in any environment. The, the issue is about the type of homes. The, the type of development and also the impact on the local community. Mr Christie will go to his uh, nice new palace when it's built and he won't have to deal with the impact on a day-to-day basis of either the build or the consequences of, of the homes. So uh, what is the impact? I'm slightly confused. What is the impact going to be? Well, well firstly, there was a, that, that everybody that lives in this part of the world knows that there are massive problems in terms of negotiating Dan Steed Way in the morning and the evening. Um, This was put put to one side because the planning uh, uh, was claimed that that, that we'd have an amelioration of the effect of traffic in the evening and a slight two-journey raise in the morning. This is all done on a very, very uh, small sample. It doesn't reflect the variability of traffic flow. Okay, we're we're getting into into, kind of specifics. Only people who who know the area particularly well will understand. Let's, let's, Let's go to you, Mr Christie. You've heard what Alex has to say. What's your reaction? Well, uh, I mean, I, I think what we've what we've tried to do um, is over the last probably six to eight months is to engage not just with the people at Loughton but the residents around um, around the Thursden area. Particularly, you've got to also remember that we're, we're going to be building a centre that's almost three times the size of what we got on the site of the National Bowl. 
Um, I think what we have been uh, able to do is to work very closely with, with local communities, with um, with the local council and other authorities to demonstrate that this facility that we are proposing is going to have such a massive impact, a positive impact on Milton Keynes, huge economic benefit, new jobs, um, and not just a world-class training facility for our squad, but, but a huge community sport uh, facility. Adrian, specifically though, these, these, these houses, what's your reaction to, to Alex's, um, I still can't quite work out if Alex is for or against the houses, but what, what, what about those? Well, I think the, the only thing I would say about the housing is that, you know, Milton Keynes has developed over a number of years now on the principle that enabling development has, has given or has brought, um, has brought employment, it's brought stadiums, you know, the, the MK Don Stadium was enabling development. If you look around the continued development around that site, it's all about enabling development. And, you know, it's, it's the principle in which Milton Keynes has been able to progress. Alex, um, it's, the, it's the driving principle behind Milton Keynes. Well, um, Adrian would say that because he's got an empire he's building. Uh, at the end of the day, he won't have to live with the consequences of it. And that's the bottom line. It's, it's, not, the, it's not the direct building of the, of the properties that's the issue. It's the consequences and the nature of the property. So if the houses were more part. sympathetic to the area, you'd be OK with them? Of course we would. I mean... To paint us as just being nimbies and not wanting anything to happen is totally incorrect. Well, I haven't said that. I haven't said that this morning, Mr. No, no, you haven't. But it has been it has been mentioned in in other meetings. Right. Well, Um, and 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 we're not against development because we actually have allowed the badminton centre to have three developments over a ten year period without any objections at all. Adrian, isn't there anything you 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 can do? Can't you listen to these people and and make and, and these houses be more sympathetic to the area? I, I think ultimately how how sympathetic um, those houses are will will be down to the developer that builds them and the approval from the council. I think what we have done in the last six months is we we've looked at reducing the the density. I think what we presented to the planners last night was, and this is a detail I'm afraid, but it's it's important. Is the density of houses is um, you know the government guidelines are 35 units per hectare. Ours is, ours is looking at 30, uh, 30 houses, so it's well below the density, and that was remarked upon several times last night. That sounds a good think, compromise, doesn't I, it, Alex? If, if I can, sorry. can I just, sorry, can I just, can I just say Very one quickly. other thing? Is that oh, the, you know, we talk about the design of the houses. Um, the, the houses are going to be no more than two and a half storeys high, i.e. a normal house with a loft extension um, with, design. With respect, that, Adrian, that's, that's, with that's, respect, that's Adrian, quite sympathetic. That is, that is a standard... Limitation in the environment. So don't pretend that you're you're doing anything as a favour. I'm, I'm not saying that, but also, Alex, it also wasn't. It, you know, part part of the issue that that we were faced with was, uh, you know, somebody had designed and superimposed this monstrosi- monstrosity of a, of a housing development, showing three and four story houses. We were never building that. You know that. So well, I think on. we have when tried. You say we somebody, tried are you to accusing me of that? Wait, no, I'm not accusing, accusing anybody. I'm not accusing anybody. Well, I'm just saying somebody did. I don't know who did that. I'm just saying that I was asked a question about the sympathy yeah. of the design of the development. And well, ultimately, the design of that start? development is something that the council has to approve. Hey, uh, Alex? Well, I, I, oh, well with, with respect to that, it, it seems to be that if you don't agree with the Badminton Association in terms of what they want, you're, you're tarred with some sort of brush. The reality of the situation is this particular development is being part funded by the people of Milton Keynes who are donating 
land worth about eight to ten million pounds to the badminton association to develop their product. It's you know there, there are more issues in this than just. It's a good point, isn't it, Adrian? Homes. Adrian. Sorry, I missed that bit. I missed your comment. Sorry, your question. Well, it's a good point that Alex makes that the land's being donated, isn't it, by the people of Milton Keynes? Um, well, I, I, well, it's yes, in essence, that well, the the land is being donated by. Uh, um, um, but in return for that, what we are doing is we've looked very closely at the core strategy of Milton Keynes that wants um, indoor tennis facilities. It wants a twelve court badminton hall. Um, it wants a number of other sporting facilities that our, that our um, project is going to deliver. The, the cost of those has been calculated very carefully. Badminton England uh, is facing funding issues. Badminton England is facing funding issues, isn't it? So you are dependent on, on, on this money, and, uh, aren't you? Uh, what, what do you mean by we're facing funding issues? Well, all, all sports uh, are facing uh, funding cuts at the moment, aren't they? Well, I mean, we've we've just um, we're the seventh most funded sport in the country. We're, we're is that down from last year? Is, is, is the money down, amount of money down? It's down, it's down slightly from last How year, much? but we're still it's still one one point nine million pounds. That's over four years. That's quite a lot. A that's quite it a is, lot. It is it is quite a lot. Not slightly. But then, well, it's quite a lot. But then at yeah. the same time, the commercial program that we've got is set to replace that. So okay. we're, we're not dependent on on Milton Keynes Council monies to run our organisation. Okay, gentlemen, we, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. The last voice you heard there was Adrian Christie, Chief Executive of Badminton England, and uh, Alex Reagan was the other voice, Chairman of the Residence Group for People Who Live Opposite the Current Badminton Centre. Right, a little bit later than usual, but worth pursuing, I thought. Let's get the travel news, Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, we, there's lots of arguments going on. I do feel at some point this morning you and I should have a punch-up. I don't know. What about, though? Um, uh, I don't really feel strongly about... Oh, I flippin' hate roads! Oh, they're, but they're brilliant. We need them. I'll get knotted. Fine. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah. Rod Stewart, it's over. Tell me where. Now, I do, I do quite like that song. I do quite like a little bit of Rod Stewart. I quite like that song. But there's a reason why I... Uh, it, it jars with me. I'm gonna play, just listen to the first two lines of this song. Oh, hang on a second. Let me just cue this back up again. Because the, the first two lines... Listen to this, OK? It sits uncomfortable. And I heard this the first time. I thought, oh, no. Can't listen to this song now because of this. It won't bother you. I'm just a little bit OCD about these things. Spot the obvious mistake. We knelt and prayed. As we stood before God. We knelt and prayed as we stood before God. Oh, Rod Stewart, you've ruined it. You've completely... We knelt and prayed as we stood before God. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Rod, what have you done? Oh. Now, a hospital in Hertfordshire is today streaming a live video of a hip operation via network, uh, the social networking site Twitter. The Spirebushy Hospital near Watford is the first hospital in the country to carry out the procedure. Well, James Watley is the head of social media at PR agency Ogilvy. Good morning, James. Uh, good morning. This is pretty unusual. I'm, I must be honest. I got quite excited when I heard about this. Are, are more and more sort of odd uses of, of Facebook and Twitter taking place now? Um, all over the place, actually, yeah. I'm, I was as shocked as you were, but excited as well. Um, this particular part of Twitter that they're using um, was used recently, actually. They, uh, they launched the first part of the, a new film for... Uh, the new film with the Wolverine. They launched a new trailer on, on Twitter using, using this method before. 
So, it's, what, if, if I follow, it's at Spire Bushy, by the way, if anyone wants to follow him. If I follow them, I'd be able to see a live streaming of this, or is the gentleman just tweeting updates? So, what's, what's happening is, um, you can follow at Spire Bushy, or there's a hashtag live at Bushy. Um, they are live tweeting the procedure, and apparently they've live tweeted a procedure before. What's different is that there's a new feature on Twitter now called Vine, and oh. Vine allows you to take, um, like, six-second videos that loop. Yes. So they'll be they'll be taking these six second videos mm. of different parts of the procedure. Um, so like the first incision, etc. Oh, I'm getting shivers just. <laughs> oh, James, <laughs> I'm getting shivers, but it's exciting me. It is exciting. It's very. Exciting I like a bit indeed. of gore. So oh, this, this is going to be on Vine. Fantastic. Which it does mean though. I'm, I'm I'm kind of just getting my head around Vine. It means that the same seven seconds is going to be looped. So you will see that incision. Ad infinitum, if you wanted to. <laughs> yes, you will, James. Yes, it's it's will. exciting me, but I don't. I don't know why this is a good idea. Why? Why is it th- th- a step forward for us? Um, so, looking at this particular example, um, the reason. I mean, the reasons they've given are obviously around education, openness. Um, but actually, it's a procedure that isn't done that often in the UK, oh. um, and this is one of the only host- one of the few hospitals in the UK that actually does this procedure. So they're kind of showing off a little bit that, that they can do it, and that's great. Um, but you know, it's it's innovating and it's using these new and exciting social media tools that everyone has at their availability, uh, everyone has at their fingertips to do something different. So why not? What, what other examples have we got of people kind of because everyone's? But I, I feel slightly bored of. I've gone off Facebook now. Everyone's slightly bored of the the limitations of Twitter and Facebook. What other examples are there of, of companies or, or people using them in an imaginative way? Well, I, t- I mean, I mentioned The Wolverine. Mm. Um, basically, the, 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 the teaser trailer for that film dropped on Vine first. It was just six seconds of, of the film looping backwards and, backwards and forwards. And that was, that was kind of game-changing, really, for the film industry. Yeah. And a lot of films being made at the moment are, are dropping teasers from back behind the scenes using Vine as well. And in fact, there's a website that, um, that I've been looking at this morning as part of my research uh, called brandsonvine.com, and that just shows all the different brands that are using Vine at the moment. Um, so all lots of different six-second loops from people like, I know, all different brands from all, all across the globe. James, have you used Vine yourself? Uh, you know what? I haven't because it's an iPhone-exclusive app, and oh. I don't have an iPhone. Oh, you're not a BlackBerry, are you? No, no, no. I'm a, I'm Android. Oh. But, um, appar- apparently it's coming to Android very soon, so Excellent I'm looking forward stuff. to playing with it. James, thank you. For, will you be watching the, uh, the operation today? Uh, as much as I can, without, without turning oh. off, yeah. You've gone all girly. <laughs> Are you a bit squeamish? Uh, I don't know. I might be. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice is getting higher and higher. James, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. James Watley, head of social media at PR agency Ogilvy. If you want to watch the operation, I do... Oh, I do. I'll be watching that this morning at Spire Bushy or hashtag Live at Bushy. I've just been using Vine for filming the best seven seconds of a film that I'm watching. I hadn't thought of uh, making incisions into people's bodies and, and filming that. I'll have some of that, definitely. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Uh, Hazel Simmons coming on the show a bit later on. If you were at that meeting last night where the uh, the cancellation of free bus travel for uh, children that go to certain uh, Catholic schools was discussed. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Catherine, yes. when you were in prison, did you find it too tough or, or, or too easy? Oh, well, you know me, I was running the floor. Oh, I say. Yes, I've seen bad girls. 
this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Lots to talk about, including male prisoners should work harder for their privileges. The government's introducing new changes from November. Do you think prison is too soft? It all kicked off at a council meeting in Luton last night. Parents were unhappy about free transport to faith schools being cut. There was shouting in the public gallery. Well, leader of the council, Hazel Simmons, will be joining me on this programme to explain why they've made that decision. You've got your chance to speak to her. Give us a call now. And you can watch someone else's hip operation taking place at a Hertfordshire hospital live on your computer. Well, hip correspondent Justin Dealey is on his way to meet the surgeon performing the operation. We'll speak to him soon. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Is prison life too soft? Well, a new regime for all prisons in England and Wales will see the changes to the Incentives and Earned Privileges Scheme. It means all inmates will have to actively earn any privileges. A simple absence of bad behaviour will no longer be enough. Well, under the new changes, new prisoners... uh, Under the changes, new prisoners will be required to wear prison uniform for the first two weeks, and failure to engage with rehabilitation schemes could mean withdrawal of luxuries such as in-cell TVs and access to leisure facilities. Well, Mark Day is from the Prison Reform... Trust. Morning, Mark. Good morning. Mark, what do you make of these changes? Well, um, of course, prison should be about people doing time rather than wasting time. And no one wants to see people locked up in their cells all day watching television. Um, but it's very important, I think, not to incu- uh, confuse toughness with effectiveness. Prison has very high rates of reoffending on release, around about 50% of people leaving prison reoffend within a year and we know what works to reduce that reoffending it's ensuring people inside get the opportunity to get skills in order to help them to get work when they leave prison it's about solving some of the basic needs people need such as housing dealing with drug and alcohol addictions tough words like this on their own will do nothing to solve these high reoffending rates and in fact there's very little evidence to show that making a regime more harsh does anything in terms of deterring people from committing crime in the first place or helping people to desist from crime if they're already in prison there will be people listening to this who've been victims of crime uh, and uh, are furious at what they perceive as the luxuries of, of prison life that you know if, if you've been a victim of a violent crime or a robbery or something like that uh, you would be angry to know that someone's going to be locked up getting sky tv and playing on their playstations Well, Sky TV is available in hardly any prisons in the country, um, only in a few private prisons, and the Justice Secretary has made it clear that that will no longer be the case. Um, I mean, prison is often described um, as a holiday camp, but I don't think it's a type of holiday that most people would ever want to pay for. Um, The Justice Secretary actually visited Pentonville Prison yesterday as part of his announcement of these proposals. I have spent... Um, a considerable amount of time in Pentacle Prison, a very bleak Victorian jail, overcrowded prisons, two prisoners sharing a cell for one, having to share a toilet which often isn't screened. There Um, will be some people say, tough, don't don't commit crime. But there is no evidence that a harsher prison regime 
does do anything to stop these people committing crime. And ultimately what we all want to see is fewer victims and people not becoming victims of crime in the first place. So what we need in prison is effective interventions that stop people from, when they're released from prison, going out to commit further crime. Someone robbed my mum, though, Mark. And listen, I'm all for rehabilitation stuff. If someone robbed my mum, as someone did, I'd, I'd want them to, to suffer pretty badly, to be honest. And no one is saying that people um, who go to prison shouldn't be punished for what they have done. And indeed, the loss of liberty when you go to prison is, is the punishment which we give to people when they um, commit a crime and are sentenced. But once they're in prison, surely it's in everyone's interest that we do what we can to stop these people reoffending again when they're released. And as I said... We know what works. It's about getting people skills to get a job when they leave prison. It's about dealing with drug and alcohol addictions. Harsh words like this, they may score a few good headlines, but they will not do anything to reject these high reoffending rates out of prison. Mark Day from the Prison Reform Trust. Uh, thank you very much. 08459 455 555. Do phone up and have your say on this. Well, Bob Turney is a former burglar and was in prison in the 70s. He now works as a prison officer. Good morning, Bob. Thanks. Prison officer, I was a probation officer. Morning, sorry. No, say that again, Bob, your line cut out. You weren't a prison officer, you were a probation officer, were you? Yeah. I yeah. apologise for getting that wrong, sir. What do you make, of, right. the, do you make of these changes? Well, it's all cosmetic, isn't it? I mean, you know, when somebody goes in prison, they go on a basic regime anyway, and then, according to their behaviour, they will start giving pri- uh, privilege. I was just caught the end of that last conversation you had, and... Uh, remark was there like holiday camps. I mean, when was the last time somebody ever committed suicide in a holiday camp? And we're getting loads of suicides in prisons, you know. So um, it's it's just good rhetoric. I mean, nothing's changed really. I mean, I've just changed the wording of it all. In, in fairness to the, the chat we just on, it just had on, he, he wasn't calling them holiday camps, but he, he did say yes that no, some people refer to them. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, some people. Is yeah. that so? But, but I know but, you didn't. But but so, but, so in terms sorry. of in terms of new prisoners wearing uniforms for the first couple of weeks, let, let's look at that as a specific to start with. Th- th- would that have any impact? No, not really. I mean, not prisoners wear wear the prison uniforms anyway. But you know, see, when you go into prison, you'll go on a basic regime where you'll just get the minimum stuff given to you, and then as you progress through the system, as you sort of um, you know behave yourself. You will get a television and then goes on like that. But should you get a television? Bob, should you get a television just for behaving yourself? The new changes will mean you'll only get the TV if you actually do some work. What sort of work? You know, I mean, you can can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You know, I mean, people will play the system. So you think that these changes are flawed? Oh, yeah, of course they are. You know, I mean, I agree with your last speaker. You know, it's basically about, um, you know, addressing alcohol and uh, drug issues, accommodation work, all stuff like that, if you're going to stop reoffending, I mean, what do we do? Do we send a per- person to prison for a punishment or to be punished? And if we're sending them to prison to be punished, we're not going to do a great deal with them. I understand all the stuff you said about your mother. I'm really, I'm really got a sympathy for it all, but, you know... We've still got to try and reform these people. What systems are in place at the moment for, for, for reform? There are, I know that, that um, drug and alcohol um, groups do go in and visit prisons from time to time to help with those issues. What, what other p- things are in place to help uh, social issues that could prevent crime in the future? Well, the point is, what the problem is that, you know, we're talking about 
my type of uh, my type of prison now, short term residuous, kept going back in, back in, back in. You know, um, I don't know if you've seen the uh, program Prisoner. No, I've missed it. I've heard lots about it. It's on my list of things to watch. Yeah, well, yeah, with the, I was very much like that type of prisoner. I found security in prison rather than in the community. So, you know, I really, uh, I was relying on prison to provide for me. And that's how we, that's how we can get when we, uh, when we keep locking people up rather than... Well, how I do mean, we stop lot- that then? How do we stop people looking at prison as, as, you know, you say people going back in because it's easier in prison than it is outside. How do we stop that? Well... You know, I mean, I know where you're going with this one, but I was in the 70s in prison. It was a lot different. We had no televisions, nothing. We was in our cells. We had buckets for toilets. Uh, If we misbehaved, we was put on bread and water for three days. Um, You know, any work, we had to sell mailbags. But people still got dependent on that system. Mm. It's a, you know, it's about... Trying to encourage them to take responsibility. That's why that's why bail hostels are really good because you're actually in the community, but you're being supervised in a very close way, uh, and that will help people rehabilitate. Bob, let me put a couple of points to you that have been made on on our Facebook page. Gary says they're in there because they've done wrong. Don't give them anything, and they won't want to go back there. We are way too soft. And Pete says they don't deserve a privilege. Full stop. What, what would you say to to Pete and Gary? Well, oh, you know, that's what I say. What, what are we doing with people? Are we sending them to prison for punishment or to be punished? So what your two listeners are saying, we're going to punish them when we're in there. That won't work. I mean, we've got to face reality. That won't work. You know, we're getting addicted with these people. And of course, I understand people's views. Of course, I do. You know, every crime is a victim. But, you know, if we're really seriously about, uh, re- for, uh, you know, rehabilitating people, we've got to work with them. Bob, appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. Bob Turney, former burglar, and was in prison in the 70s and then worked in the probation service. 08459 455 555. What do you think? Listen, I've never been to prison. It's interesting talking to those two gentlemen. One's been in prison, one's worked in prisons. I've never been. The only real um, insights I've got are watching Porridge, Papillon, and reading the front page of the Daily Mail. So, I don't know. Turns out that Sky isn't in most prisons, it's only in a select few. Well, there's a revelation that I never knew. 08459 455 555. What do you think? Prisons should be. Prisons were invented by Quakers, did you know that? And the uh, premise behind them was it was all about rehabilitation, not punishment. Have we got away from that? Surely that should be the main purpose of the prison, is to stop people re-offending. Is it a punishment? Does it need to be a punishment? Should we be tougher in prisons? 08459 455 555. Uh, just time to tell you what's coming up on the show uh, on uh, BBC Three Counties later on today. Uh, the JVS show is back from nine o'clock and Jonathan is not in again today. Oh, dearie me. He has more time off than I don't know what. Tim Wheeler's sitting in and if you heard Tim yesterday, I thought it was a cracking show. After 11, he's going to be focusing on your consumer problems, including the case of Paul. Paul had uh, had a bill for over £2,000 of computer games he hasn't bought and is worried someone has hacked his account. Can the JVS show help? Find out from nine o'clock. Of course you didn't buy those computer games, Paul. Of course you didn't. No, no, no. You were hacked. Now, it all kicked off at a council meeting in Luton last night. It's all because free transport for faith schools is to be scrapped. If you want to see a video of the council meeting, I know... When you say it like that, it doesn't sound very exciting. I've been assured 
This video is very exciting, though. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Pupils and parents started jeering from the public gallery of the town hall when the borough council announced their decision. Members of the executive walked out refusing to return until they left the building. Here's an audio summary of how the events unfolded. Is there anybody else from the executive who wishes to comment? No? The recommendation is report before you. Members are very clear what the recommendation is. Is that agreed? I've just checked out the video while that was playing. Uh, it, it is definitely worth having a look. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Well, uh, Antoinette Cotula is the spokesperson for the Cardinal Newman Preserve Our School Transport Committee. They're one of the schools who will lose their free bus service from September. And leader of the Laban-run uh, Luton Borough Council, Hazel Simmons, joins me as well. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Antoinette, we'll start with you first. You were at the meeting last night. What yes. was your reaction to the decision? Uh, very, very, very disappointed. Um, call me naive, but I, I did think that I, I, I did think that we'd do a much better deal than what we'd done last night. And uh, we, we met with uh, with Hazel and her team last week, and and we felt we were working with them, and we we put a lot into our campaign. And uh, as a community, this is so such a big big thing. This has been in place forty five years, and now historically, uh, the council has taken it away. But What's absolutely gotten is, I feel, uh, and I do understand that they need to do cuts from central government, is that uh, Cardinal Newman as a school has got uh, massive areas of poverty that they deal with, and these kids will not be fit to go to Cardinal Newman because of the decision. Well, if parents, uh, if I understand part of the deal is that that there's £420,000 that's being shared out to, to pay towards... Um, school buses, and also if parents are living in actual poverty under sixteen or seventeen thousand pounds a year, then they will get free travel, won't they? No, they'll get free travel if they're on free if they're on if they're on uh, if they're on free school uh, meals. Right. No, not 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 otherwise. And yes, we have we have a payout. Yes, but it's a one-off payout. Um, now, where, where that's going to go is, is just ridiculous. We've got many, many years left in Carlton Newman. A one-off payment is, is going to go absolutely nowhere. Uh, and that's why people got... We were confused last night. It, it, it wasn't clear when they made the decision. I think we all sat there looking at each other. And then when it hit uh, in, in, into our minds what had happened, people got very, very upset and very cross. Uh, most of them people would be Labour supporters. I know I'm a Labour supporter and have been uh, my, my, my whole life or my whole voting life. I'm just so disappointed and so gutted and, and the effect that this is going to have. And I think, I think uh, uh, Hazel and her team just undermined it, the, uh, the effect that this is going to have. But this is going to have a massive effect in a town like Luton, which, well, which is struggling as it is. Let's put this, let's put this uh, to Hazel. Hazel, you, 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 it was hard to follow last night and you've, you've let down everybody. 
Well, I know there was a lot of anger in the room last night. There was at the previous public meeting, and uh, this was one of the hardest decisions the council's made. But the reality is we've got to save £45 million over the next three years, and uh, we're looking at every service. Um, we've tried to explain uh, the, 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 the dilemma the council's in in terms of our budget reductions, and... Um, these are being imposed upon us by the government. We have no choice about it, and we have to ensure that in the longer term we have a budget balanced budget and that we do keep our core statutory services in place. Hazel, why did you walk out last night? We didn't really walk out. It was it was the well, did you leave? was we couldn't continue the meeting, so we adjourned it for a quarter of an hour for for it to So you did down. you did leave. It was a bit longer than that before we could go back in. But um there was no way we could continue the meeting um because we could nobody could hear anything. But but if you represent the people that were there, doesn't it seem a little bit uh, disrespectful to 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 walk out when they were were, were protesting a decision that you'd made? I mean, the, the, the protest, uh, nobody's got any objections to any of the protesting, and, and they can continue to protest. But you but just walked out and ignored it. That, you know, I had a meeting to run last night. There was a lot of other very important decisions on the executive agenda that I had to, that we had to take forward in, uh, to do with the budget. And um, therefore... But Hazel, uh, uh, th- 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 this was a very important decision to us. I know, I know. Very, Hazel, I'm just really surprised you've done what you've done. And, I, and you know, I, you know that this is a massive vote in community for you. And I just, I'm really shocked, really, really shocked. And, and uh, you know, I, uh, I think we need to carry on talking uh, as a bunch of parents to yourselves to see where we can go on this because... This, you know, the long-term effect on this is, is going to be massive on yourselves as well as the school. Antoinette, as you know, part of the recommendation last night was very clearly added to the recommendation was that we set up some sort of steering group to work with you and the school to work on mitigation, whatever else we can do, to look at the bus times, to see if we can, as, we, as was suggested the last time we met, to get new coat... Antoinette, can I... Can I interrupt for a second, Antoinette? Can I ask a question? Yeah. Why should I pay for your kids' uh, travel to school? Do you know what? This has been in place for 40... But, but why should I now... Why should, just because it's been there for a long time. Just, just a question that some people will be thinking this morning. Why should I pay for your kids to travel to school? Well, you know, there might be people who are thinking that this morning, but believe you me, when they've finished getting us, which they have... They'll move on to the next community and the next community to take but, something but, away. But can and you answer that? Like, can you answer that question? This is children's education at the end of the well, day. Well, it's not though, is it? And, and I'm sorry to say, but hold on. We as a town, we yeah. as a community, a big Catholic community. Over 95% of Cardinal Newman is yeah. is Catholic. We put an awful lot back into this town. Okay. We're a working class. Uh, 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 but Antoinette, uh, can you answer uh, the question? Antoinette, can you answer the question? Why should I and other people pay for your children's travel to school? Because uh, I'm sorry to say, but the next generation is very important to, have, to be to get them educated and to get them uh, up and ready for the future. And it's about putting money back into the next. But, but Antoinette, again, you're, you're not this, just one. I'll ask one more time, and then we'll, we've got Trish's called in. Why should I pay for your children's travel to school? I, well, I don't see why you shouldn't. We have to pay towards lots of things, and I don't begrudge that whatsoever. Uh, and, okay. and, and and it's just another it's just another thing that we have to pay. Okay, towards. Trish, well, Luton, just, Antoinette, just, just for a second, Chief, Antoinette, 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 just for a second, because Trish has called in. Trish is in Luton. Trish, you've got a point you'd like to make to Hazel Simmons. 
Yeah, well, just to answer the point you're making to Antoinette there, um, the Catholic community, every parent of a child in school pay 10% towards the building contribution. So that's a cost that the local council don't have to pay. So if the school no longer stays as a faith denomination school, then that will have to be picked up by the taxpayer as well. Hazel, is, so is, the, is the school going to stop being, here, stop going to stop being a, a faith denomination school? There is no intention of, of that happening. Oh, we'll work with the school and the parents. There is no intention of taking the buses off. Oh. Uh, of, off. The, 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 the argument is, and always has been, about who pays for the buses. And so just to confirm, just to confirm, just to confirm ladies, one second, one second, Hazel, just to confirm, subsidise it for the first year, Hazel, because we recognise that this is going okay. to be a hit on Hazel, parents. just to confirm, so just to confirm, to with Hazel, the, with a steering sorry, I don't know if you to find other ways of mitigating, Miss, Mrs. Simmons, but the reality is the council has to make such big budget cuts. It's looking at all it. Mrs. Simmons, can you hear me? And longer term, we have to look at this as a discretionary service, Hazel? and we have to maintain our status. So, Hazel, just to, no, one second, I just want to ask a question, then we'll come back to you, Trish. Hazel, just to confirm, the the Cardinal Newman School will remain a Catholic school. Of course. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Can I say, Trish? Trish, you I'm go a first. I'm parent of two children that are due to start school in 2014 and 2015. They would have always gone to Cardinal Newman School. It's a school I went to and my family went to. However. Due to the cost now of sending the children to school, I work full-time, my husband works full-time, we will not be able to drive them to school, and I will not have my children get an indirect bus route through the town. The council have not yet committed to any new contract with Ariva, so there's no guarantee there'll be a direct bus route. I will now possibly have to send my children to a local community school, which will displace other children that would have gone to the community school into going to Cardinal Newman. Hazel, can you tell me, the removal of the discretionary denominational transport, that possibly will now have to go into statutory transport to get children to the Cardinal Newman school that have no faith and do not wish to be educated in a faith education. Can you tell us what the budget forecast is for statutory transport to senior schools in the next three years? Because I'm sure you've just moved a pot of money around. The the reality is there is no intention to take off the direct bus route to Cardinal Newman. Um, Let let her answer, let her answer. There is no intention on our behalf to remove the bus service um, from the school at all. The reality is that we can, um, as we have done every other year, uh, come to an arrangement with Arriva for that that contract. Um, As was explained to the public meeting, it can be within two months we can have a new contract with them. But can you tell us... Antoinette, Antoinette, quick, very quickly. Uh, Hazel, if the kids, because of the price, if the kids or the parents cannot afford to pay for the kids, and your transport man has said this over and over again, if the, if not enough kids get out and use them buses, then the buses will disappear. Yeah, and not that is the You cannot promise something that's not there. We've done that survey, and 58% of people on our survey said they would not pay for the buses and they would get in their cars. We worked it out on the survey that we've done. Okay, that Antoinette, let... 300 extra cars What's your question to Hazel? There. What's your question to Hazel? I, I'm just... Well, I'm just, I'm very interested in what Hazel is going to do about this because come September, people will get in their cars. Okay, Hazel, there's going to be a problem. And, and one of the big things we- Hazel cried about eight years ago, which I would, is the congestion that's going to okay, be. Okay, let's put that to because we're running out of time. Hazel, the congestion that's yes, going to be in place. Obviously, we don't want the congestion, and, and that's why we've suggested that there is a steering group to work with parents to look at. They, they say the cost of a river is too expensive to work with parents and the school. We've talked to the school about maybe changing their their um, opening and closing time so that we can use less buses. This all reduces the cost 
then to the parents. And it's about working with parents now on what other mitigations we can put in place. OK, we have to end it there. Hazel Simmons, the last voice you heard there, leader of the Labour-run Luton Borough Council. You also heard Antoinette Katula, spokesperson for the Cardinal Newman Preserve Our School Transport Committee. And uh, the third voice was Trish in Luton. I am <clears throat> 08459 455 555. Keen to get your thoughts on this. Do non-faith, non-faith schools don't get um, free transport, do they? I'm just curious as to why atheists are excluded from this. And I still, I still don't have a good uh, argument. And if you've got one, I'd love to hear it. A good argument as to why my, I should pay for those kids to get the bus to school. I don't know. And that's your latest news and sport. Well, for me, it's eight o'clock. Oh, it's, do you know what? Your voice brings a big smile to my face every morning, Catherine Boyle. Why? Because it gives you ammunition taking the mickey. Yes. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it's been a very feisty show. More feistiness to come uh, between now and uh, eight o'clock. You can watch someone else. Well, someone else's hip operation is taking place on Twitter later on in the morning live from a Hertfordshire hospital. Well, Justin Dealey, our surgery correspondent, is meeting the surgeon, performing the operation to find out what on earth they're doing. And with just two days to go to the local elections, political parties will be getting their final leaflets through your door. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, has been speaking to the Lib Dems in Hertfordshire. He'll tell us what they said in about 15 minutes. But back to this bus story. You may have just uh, heard the argument there. It all kicked off at a meeting last night in Luton because free transport for faith schools is to be scrapped. Well, Dave's in Luton. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Ian. Dave, what, what, what do you think about this? Should uh, the, the, the pupils of uh, Cardinal Newman School get free transport? Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not regarding this situation. What I'm saying, did Hazel, Mrs Hazel Simmons, did the councillors go to Old New Bedford Road first thing in the morning between 7 o'clock and half 9 to see the amount of traffic in New Bedford Road uh, where the buses all turn into that school. Because it's horrific coming up from Barton, coming out from Luton, coming out from Leegrave, to hit that spot where the buses all turn in. If they stop these buses, you're going to have all these parents taking their kids in their cars, coming from all over parts of Luton and Dunstable, and there is going to be absolutely catastrophic hell at that point. Dave, what I don't understand, and no one's been able to explain this to me yet, maybe I'm missing something. Why should Catholic kids get free transport to school when other schools don't do get that? I don't understand that. Well, where, why, why where should they? they? Come? Well, where do they come from? Well, it, 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 come? It, listen, if you choose, to, if you choose, I, I, I have been brought up to believe if you choose to send your kids to a school that's not the nearest school, that's some distance away, if you choose that then you should be responsible for the cost that incurs, shouldn't, shouldn't you? Or have I got that wrong? Well, the thing is, how many more Catholic schools are there in this, this area of Luton? If these people want to take their uh, kids to that, to that school, and it's the only Catholic school around in Luton and Dunstable, yeah. well, then they've all got to concentrate onto that school. Well, then they should, but then they should be... Res- if they've made that decision, then they should be responsible, shouldn't they? For the cost that are, the costs that are incurred of, of, of going to that school. My, listen, I used to get the bus to school. I got my mum and dad paid for me to get the bus. Oh yeah, so did I. But we're going back into the, I'm going back into the fifties. Well, I'm going back into the eighties. So. Yeah, but the thing is, Ian. Yes. If when they built that school and the council said to the parents, "We're going to pay for all your school journeys," 
Yeah. And why are they suddenly? I know because of the well, it's not all of a sudden. It's forty-five years ago they made that, right, and they've got to save. For, they've got to save forty million pounds. Right, but they made the promise at the beginning that all kids will go to that school, will go by coach, uh, by bus, and not be not have to pay for it. Now, after forty-five years, they want to change it. They can't just change it just like that. Dave, thank you very much indeed. I think some people would argue they haven't changed it just like that. Mandy's from Hertfordshire. Good morning, Mandy. Morning. What, what, what do you think about these um, these children losing their free transport to the Catholic school? As a practicing Catholic who went to Catholic school. I'm afraid it's time parents got real. If you're asking me as a parent, would I make sacrifices to get my, to my children to a school? Absolutely. And I did. I, li- I worked part-time so I could take my kids to school. I went without glamorous holidays. I had old cars. That was my sacrifice. But, you know, I still felt it was worthwhile because the education that my children got was outstanding. When everybody else was worried in September or in March, oh, what school has my child got? I never had that worry because I knew where my children would be going. And parents, take a little look at the value, you know, the good things you've got. Yes, you may have to get your kids to school. But hold on a minute. These children are at least 11, 12, yeah. and most of them are going to be 15, 16. Are you really telling me that they can't get their own way to school? My children will either walk. If I can't take them, they would walk or cycle. 45 years of a benefit is an awfully long time. But what we're really looking at is, does the council, and I'm not a Labour voter, so I'm not going to protect Hazel, but do, as voters, would you rather see the elderly who can't get themselves to the shops, who can't get out, would you rather see transport or care for the elderly or buses for children? And I'm afraid we've got a choice in society these days. Mandy from Hertfordshire, well, you, you put the point excellently. I have no questions to put to you. you put, I, I'm curious as to what you consider to be a glamorous holiday, but we'll, we'll save that for another day. Thank you, Mandy. She puts a good point, doesn't she? Uh, uh, on the text, um, Nick says, When I was a kid, we walked or cycled to school in all weathers. There was no bus. Our parents didn't have a, school, uh, a car and we got to school on time. And Ray has emailed in, if the council cut the funding for the school transport, it r- will result in many more cars on the town roads. A great number of these will, without doubt, be in Stockingstone Hill. This road is one of the most badly congested in town since the council changed the junction. 08459 455 555. Now, a hospital in Hertfordshire is today streaming a live video of an operation via Twitter. The Spire Bushy Hospital near Watford is the first hospital in the country to carry out the procedure. The orthopaedic surgeon carrying out the operation is uh, Mr Arish Hashemi Najad. Well, he's with our reporter, Justin Dealey. Justin! Ian, exciting times. Um, later on, will you be watching this operation live? Yes, I will, actually, yeah. yes. Will you be? You're a bit squeamish, aren't you? I'm a little bit, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, before we talk to the surgeon, I've been asking people locally, would they watch this live? and this is what they had to say. So, a live operation on Twitter, would you seriously want to watch that? No. Tell us why. Because I think it's disgusting when you open yours and you can see everything what you have inside on the interior. No, it's not for me. You're not even tempted? No. no. <laughs> it's a definite no. It's a definite no. It would probably interest me to see what goes on, but I would, um, it would shock me. I mean, how long do you reckon you'd last without saying, oh, it's disgusting? Well, I don't know, as long as it goes on to. Say the word for yourself as well, madam. This live operation, would you want to sit at your computer and watch all the action unfold in front of you? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, and tell us why you want to watch it. What, what will get you involved? I'd just like to see what happens, um, you know, how people react. 
probably see things that I've never seen before. It's quite interesting. So it would be too gory for you, then? No. And a final word here with Sydney. Sydney, this live operation today, you can watch it via Twitter. Would that interest you? Certainly not. <laughs> Why would it interest you? I'm not into blood. Yeah. <laughs> a bit too gory for you. Indeed. Some would, some wouldn't, clearly. Uh, a few questions here with the surgeon then, Mr. Arash Hashimi Najad. Uh, welcome to the programme. You're live across Beds, Arts and Bucks. Uh, very briefly, what exactly is this operation that you're carrying out today, then? Um, this operation is called a periacetabular osteotomy. In, in plain terms, about 3 to 6% of the population have a failure formation of a socket in the hip joint, and that can lead to premature osteoarthritis. What we're trying to do today is to actually correct that deformity by cutting the bone around the socket and turning it around so it gives good coverage of the ball and hopefully gives pain relief and delays the need for hip replacement. This is going to be live. You must be nervous. As the surgeon, anything could happen. We're going into your world today. You must be nervous. Well, you know, traditionally, surgeons are used to showing off. The whole reason why it's called an operating theatre, because in the 17th, 18th century, people used to sell tickets, and that's how they made their money. And they used to advertise the um, operations in newspapers, and people used to come and watch in the operating theatre. So we're used to having an audience, and quite often we do have visitors, um, trainees, and other surgeons who come and visit and watch. So we're not... You can't wait, can you? (laughs) Well... It's something we like to do, yeah. and we like to actually teach, and we like to show what we do to the world. So it's quite an exciting time. It's going to be fascinating. And a few questions here as well with uh, Holly Broadway. You're from Merchant Marketing. You're using an app called Vine. Very briefly, what is Vine? Vine is basically um, an app which allows you to take six-second videos. So we'll be filming the procedure live as it happens in six-second snapshots. And where can people see this later on today? So you can follow at Bushy and use the hashtag live at Bushy uh, to ask questions as we're filming the uh, operation. Can't wait. It's going to be an interesting day. And a final word here with the surgeon. You have a picture there of Ian Lee. Um, obviously, plastic surgeon's here. What? Um, what do you reckon? Can we do some work on him? Is there hope for him? Well, I think he can probably get a good deal if he turned up and spoke to the hospital team. But, you know, some people are beyond the help. Sorry? Uh, (laughs) But I think Ian could be helped if he really was interested in coming to see us. Ian, we can get you a deal for the facelift. Okay, it's not a problem. I've organised it for you. I'm a good guy, aren't I? Daily, what on earth are you doing? You have gone... You, you, there's a line, and you're about yeah. 20 feet on the other <laughs> side of this line now, young man. I thought, as friends, I could help you out. You know, a line right. operation, never miss an opportunity. We, we can get you a deal, Ian. It's no problem. Have you seen the film A Clockwork Orange? Uh, yes, I have. Okay, you know there's that scene where they, um, they strap Malcolm McDowell uh, down into a chair, and they, <laughs> keep his, they clip his <laughs> eyes open so he can't close them, yeah? Yes, yes. I'm going to do that to you today, <laughs> and I'm going to force you to watch yeah. every... Every little bit of this operation, oh, right? God, sounds horrible. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. It's all about education. But, of course, uh, as the surgeon was saying, anything could happen. But for him, it's a theatre, and he will be performing. He's uh, thoroughly looking forward to it. So watch it live on Twitter a bit later on. I'm going to be having some of that, Daily. Thank you very much indeed, although you are a very, very naughty man. Uh, 08459 I nearly, um, uh, I nearly, through various contacts, I won't say how, got to go and watch um, a heart operation taking place live yeah i did i really i'd love to i love all of that stuff i saw my wife having a mole cut off that was fantastic i said to the nurse can i watch she went if you want to i did want to oh they go really deep really deep you can see all the fat but i nearly got to go and see a heart operation but it would have involved me um uh, it would have involved me lying 
And I thought, you know what, it's probably not worth uh, doing that. 08459 four double five five double five. Right, quarter to eight. Mr Glynn. I've got to be honest with you, Ian. I feel a little bit queasy right now after talk of removing the mole. Wasn't very nice. I've got a scalpel, Glenn, and I'm not afraid to oh, use it. Ian, right? Things looking. We can have an argument about that if you want. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm coming for you, Glynn. Now, with just two days to go to the local elections, parties are getting their final leaflets through the doors and leaders are making last-minute dashes around the country giving speeches. The Lib Dems being no exception. They've been in Hertfordshire and have been speaking to our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. Uh, Paul, Lib Dems done quite well in this area, haven't they? They have, Ian, yes. You know, in relative terms, they've got 11 out of the 57 divisions in Buckinghamshire. They've got 17 out of 77 divisions in Hertfordshire. Uh, They've got control of Watford and Three Rivers councils. They've got... uh, uh, just a, a last week, in fact, they managed to wrestle the last Tory from Watford Borough Council onto their side. So there are no Conservatives on Watford Borough Council. So, uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, across the patch, they're, they're the second party in most of the county, well, in both county councils. So they're, they're doing fairly well. What are their policies at this election? Um, sorry, they uh, in Buckinghamshire they support families. They say they to tackle child poverty, develop drop-in centres. Uh, they'd like to invest in the roads and the pavements. They want to develop more cycling lanes in places like Aylesbury. Uh, they oppose HS2, as do many of the many of the parties there, and uh, any expansion into Luton and Heathrow, as well as as reducing 50, uh, 30 mile now speed limits to 20. In Hearts, they're very much against the incinerator, as they both are in Buckinghamshire as well. And we heard yesterday that the uh, judicial view into the Calvert incinerator had failed. Um, they uh, in Hertfordshire would like to also see slower speeds, they'd like to revive town centres perhaps use the voluntary sector more efficiently and uh, not compete with it. They say there's lots of council um, uh, initiatives which put themselves against the voluntary sector and they'd like to put a stop to that. So those are just some of the policies they're looking at. The voluntary sector of course I would imagine is a, a, a slightly um, friendlier way of saying the big society we don't hear the big society anymore do we? We don't. It's that same thing though, people helping communities and doing stuff for free. It is and that's is still you know if you look at the coalition's policies certainly at the local level um, the, the Conservatives are very much trying to get local people still to do things uh, as are you know, Lib Dems in certain areas as well. So you will see that more and more happening because, you know, councils don't have the money anymore. What are the leaders saying to you? Well, I thought what I'd do is, because we've had our both of our debates now, yep. I'll give you a, a, a few second snippets of what the Lib Dem leaders in each of the counties uh, would like to do. So here's the priority, uh, or the priorities, of Avril Davis from the Lib Dems in Bucks. Give every child in Bucks the best start in life. Make it easy to live a healthy lifestyle for everyone to extend, to extend good quality living and invest in jobs and the economy. And here's Stephen Giles Medhurst from the Hertfordshire Party. Cutting costs, slashing spin, listening locally, fixing the roads, making sure there's the right school provision in the right places. Uh, well... Those are the two leaders of the local parties. Yes. This is Nick Clegg. He came to Watford last week, uh, and I saw him at a, a school uh, which has been vastly improved, and he was talking about what the Lib Dems' priorities are across local councils nationally. Everyone's going to make savings, whether you're in national government or local government. So the question really then becomes who's going to do it in the best possible way and make sure that money goes on the things you really need. So you know, that's the reason, for instance, why the Liberal Democrats for a long time have been highly critical of the Conservatives in the County Council in Hertfordshire for not anticipating 
the pressure on school places, which is a real problem now. If they'd actually listened to Dorothy, Dorothy Thornhill and, and the Liberal Democrats some years ago, we wouldn't now have this pressure on school places, which is a source of great anxiety for, um, for parents. So that's just, an, you know, heartlands don't remain heartlands forever. And, uh, of course, you don't change the world in one election, but you can make, you can make progress, you can make an impression... Um, you know, just recently we won a by-election against the Conservatives in Eastleigh in a Westminster by-election, which used to be absolutely sort of true blue Conservative territory. And I think what people have found where Liberal Democrats, you know, are in power, Liberal Democrats work very hard for their, their communities, know their communities very well, stick closely to the priorities that people have, even in difficult times, and seek to make sure that the decisions that are made are made as fairly as possible. Uh, and Nick Clegg talked about HS2 as well, didn't he? That's right, Ian, he did, yes. And th- this is a difficult one for him because there's a lot of local opposition. Lib Dems in Buckinghamshire are very much opposed to HS2. But as an MP for a northern town, for Sheffield, he obviously has a different perspective. And, mm. of course, it's a Conservative uh, policy or a Conservative and coalition policy too, even though it was brought in by Labour. Uh, so as, as a coalition government, they're having to try and bring it together. This is what he said about HS2. Of course there are tensions when you when you... When you start um, developing a huge national project of great national significance, you will get certain areas that don't like it. But I think it is worth thinking about the prize that is available to us. You know, as a country, and I think people f- care about this just as much in the south as they do the north. There is this, you know, there is this feeling that that, that sometimes the country has has not been moving forward as one, and there's been this big north-south um, divide. That, by the way, creates huge pressures. For instance, on house prices and school places in in parts of the south and and leave leave communities in the north um slightly sort of you know left out and i think what high speed rail is all about trying to overcome that it's a long-term project this will take you know years if not decades but it's all about a vision of how we can make sure that that prosperity is is spread fairly across the whole country very diplomatic answer Mm. there Mm. and uh, what's he like in real life because i always he, he always strikes me as a very handsome man Nick Clegg. Is he handsome in real life? He's quite tall. Yeah. Yeah. He wears a suit well. All of them are quite tall, actually. Uh, I've met that. He's now. I've met all of them now. Oh. Well, I've, all of the, the sort of main three. Is it appropriate? Cool. Just going off on a slight tangent. If I met, I, I did meet David Cameron, but it was before he was prime minister, so he didn't count, mm. and he turned his back on me. But if I met David Cameron now, I would ask him for his autograph. Do, do people do that? I, I, not many people I've seen. He okay. does sign them though for the, for the party faithful. I've met him when he's been at party faithful events. Okay. They generally always sort of put them at. Uh, uh, at places where they're in a safe zone. Very quickly, are we expecting a big turnout at these uh, these elections? Uh, well, it's tricky. I mean, it, it, next year you'd probably get a bigger one because mm. of the it's Euro elections as yep. well. So you get you know, but I think they'll be bigger than the PCC elections. I think it's fairly safe to say. Uh, although I still think we're probably only looking at twenty percent in a lot of places. Wow. Um, We've got the Conservatives tomorrow to hear from. That's the final one. And yep. then, of course, we've got voting on Thursday. We will be bringing you a, a very in-depth results service on uh, Friday morning. Overnight in Hertfordshire, we'll know the results. So we'll know most of, if not, we won't know Watford and we won't know Three Rivers. But apart from those two uh, areas, we'll know the results first thing Thursday morning, uh, Friday morning, sorry. I'll be here with you bringing those dates. And then all the way through the day, we've got the Buckinghamshire accounts, which are going to come in throughout the day. Brilliant. Look forward to that, Paul. Thanks very much mm. indeed. Now, we've been talking about the free school buses for the uh, uh, the Catholic schools, um, and Hazel is in Welling. Good morning, Hazel. Good morning. What do you think about the, the, the council getting rid of the free school buses for the Cardinal Newman School? Um, well, I would agree with it, because I don't see how 
you can keep them to a contract made 45 years ago. I've got um, two grandsons who uh, allocated a school um, in St Albans. They were refused a school in Welling, or Welling Garden City, to which they could have walked, and they were allocated a school in St Albans. My daughter didn't have a car, she couldn't afford a car, but she had to send two boys to St Albans Mm. by bus. Well, if these parents are saying, we'll have to get into our cars and take the kids to school, if they can afford to do that, they can afford to pay for the bus to take them to school. How old were the, your grandchildren when they got on the bus? Eleven. And, and did they go, go on their own without their mum and dad? Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, so the, the, I got the bus when I was 11, Hazel. My mum and dad paid for the bus when I was 11. And yeah. it, 11, you're capable of getting the bus, aren't you? Yeah. And, I mean, they didn't have any choice because mm. they um, tried to get it changed. They tried to get them allocated to their local school, as I say, to which they could have walked, and it was refused, so they had to go to St Albans. A lot of the parents and, and the children were protesting very loudly last night at the, the council meeting when this decision to scrap these buses um, uh, was, was taking place. What would you say to those parents, Hazel? Um, well, I would say... I'm, I... When I was at work, I was awarded a contract for that work, and 20 years later, the firm couldn't afford it, so they changed it. And this is what happens in this world. People can't get everything they want because um, it was awarded 45 years ago or whatever. Hazel, thank you very much indeed. Hazel in Wellington. I, 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 I'm really struggling. If someone can explain to me why these children should get free travel to school... Please do give me a call, 08459 455 555, because I, I don't want to be harsh, but I don't understand what separates these children from this Catholic school and other schools. The sport is this. British and Irish Lions head coach Warren Gatlin will announce his squad for the summer tour of Australia this lunchtime with the possibility that Saracens Brad Barrett, Owen Farrell and Chris Ashton could feature. And the weather, I know. The largely... sport is this. Well, the you know sport what? is this. I believe he's called I've choked. I've done one, then another, and I just might as well go home. Shall I do the weather? I'll probably get it wrong. Yeah, go have a go. Go on. Largely fine and dry with a top temperature of 16 degrees Celsius. That's 61 Fahrenheit, apparently. Don't trust me. I can't speak. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. First for news. Sorry There's... about the uh, delivery. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sport is this. The sport is this. <laughs> I was trying to collect myself and failed. Sometimes you just need to take a deep breath and, and, and give up. You know what I need? Yeah. A cup of coffee. Hey. A Scoinsy special. The sport is this. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's always exciting when political reporter Paul Scoins is in the building. He make good coffee. He make strong coffee. He'd make me go mad. Right, lots coming up between now and nine o'clock, including male prisoners should work harder for their privileges. Well, the government's introducing the new changes from November. Do you think prison is too soft? If you've ever been to prison, or if you've been a victim of crime, or if you just have a view on this, I'd love to hear your view this morning. 08459 455 555. And the most amazing recording 
from a council meeting in Luton last night. You can see the video, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. We'll play some of the audio. It all kicked off because parents were unhappy about free transport to faith schools being cut. Well, I'll be speaking to one of the mums about why she's so unhappy. And maybe she can explain to me why they should be getting free transport. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The government's announced a new scheme to make male prisoners work harder for privileges. From November, inmates will wear a uniform for two weeks and have restricted access to cash and televisions. The Justice Secretary, Chris Grayling, says he wants them to earn rewards by taking part in work, education and rehabilitation. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been to Bovingdon in Hertfordshire, where they have the Mount Prison. And Justin, I just have to clear up, uh, because your solicitor has been in touch, <laughs> you have at no point uh, been in prison uh, for, for anything. You, you All charges were eventually dropped. Yes, that is absolutely Thank you, correct. Sorry Thank if you in. any damage I may have caused you earlier on in the show. I mean, as you say, I've been in Bovingdon, where they have the Mount Prison. Earlier, we were asking people, what prison privileges that prisoners should be entitled to and according to most people it's the basics and nothing else i've also been asking people what their perception of prison life is like and some interesting views here this is what people had to say it's too easy now i've known people what have done prison loads of prison you know and they said it's just a break basically so what sort of things do they get from the people you've been talking to? What sort of things do they get then inside prison? Computers and everything in there. But these chaps who built these prisons up here, they said they couldn't believe what they got in there. You know, they had absolutely everything. One of the guys that I know who is a warder up there, um, I've said to him, you know, what's it like? And yeah, it's cushy. So they want to play pool for eight hours a day? Fine. They seem to have DVDs, they've got their Game Boys, they've got their... Um uh, TVs, videos, they've got everything in there. It's like a, it's not, I say a holiday camp, it's almost like a hotel. Where the taxpayers, etc., are paying for them to be put up in a hotel, which Joey has <coughs> called it, and uh, it is a hotel. Bits and pieces that I haven't even got, I mean, I work. <laughs> I think Game Boy means something completely different in uh, prison parlance, Justin. But did, uh, did, I wonder if any of those people had actually been no, to prison. No, I mean, obviously, they're, they're, they're getting their stories from other people, mm. that, that they know people who are wardens, they know people who have, have helped to, to build that particular prison, the Mount Prison. I mean, it sounds to them like it is a hotel with, with the facilities they've got, with the DVD players, with, with the pool, all those sorts of things. To them, it sounds absolutely fantastic but personally i still wouldn't want to chance it listen i i, I wouldn't last 20 minutes in prison partly because i'm so pretty but <laughs> it just would and apparently the the sky tv is a bit of a myth we spoke to someone from the prison reform group earlier on who says there are very very few prisons that actually have sky tv in them yeah it's so I, I wonder how much of this is kind of hyped up by the newspapers well if you read the papers this morning they certainly have got sky tv and i think uh, a lot of people who who read reports in newspapers they pick up that perception that that it is a break and even somebody said there it's like a break for them that they're going to a five-star hotel that's the perception the public have got of prison life but i'm sure if we speak to anybody who's actually been inside they would tell us a completely different story justin thank you very much indeed if you have been to, been to prison oh eight four five nine four double five five double five we can speak to someone now who has been to prison uh, we're going to call him harry although that's not his real name good morning harry good morning how many prisons have you been in um Five, I think. And w- when was the, the last time you went to prison? 
2008 was my release. What did you do to, to go to prison, Harry? Um, I drove... I I drove a car and um, my colleagues um, participated in robberies. So you, you were a getaway driver? Yes, I was. What was prison like? We, do, we heard people say it's like a holiday camp. It, it's it's uh, like a five-star hotel. What's, what's it really like? Um, well, different, different jails have different rules, set rules. Um, and it can all depend on where you go in terms of what privileges and facilities you have. I mean, the first place I went to was the Youth Offenders, where we had a shower every three days. Um, you had association every three days where you could go out and play some pool um, and ring your family, ring your friends. That was every three days you'd get an hour. Um, and other than that, you was either locked up or you went and did education, English, maths, or you worked in a workshop. Um, most jails have that sort of system running. Um, privileges, you know, you you get privileges. You have to earn your privileges, though. Well, do you have to earn your privileges? I, I thought the system at the moment was that if you behaved well, you got privileges, whereas yeah. the, the changes coming into place in November, you will have to actually do things. You'll have to do work and contribute to get your privileges. Um, you had to behave well, but you had to also be looking to... Um, Maybe make, do something on the wing, like keep the place tidy and um, not get into any trouble. Um, after several, after three or four months, they review you and see if you had no, um, you haven't been in any trouble or no disparaging comments have been put in your um, mm. report card. Then they'd consider you for going up a stage to entitle you to more privileges, you know, more gym sessions or something. And, and did you have things like Sky and, and Playstations and Game Boys? Um, I, I've never seen Sky Television. Um, I had a PlayStation, which I, I got once I'd got, um, because there was three stages, basic, standard, and enhanced. You start on standard. If you're bad, you get dropped to basic. You don't have a television. You don't have anything in yourself. And you can go, you progress to enhanced. And then when, when you're an enhanced prisoner, you could buy a PlayStation of your own money, which you then had to save up weekly. What, what kind um, of what kind of games were you playing on your PlayStation? Were you playing things like Grand Theft Auto? Um, if the wherever whatever um, company stocked that jail with PlayStations, whatever games they right. had, then you could buy the games that were on there. Um, okay. So there might be some yeah. people who, who who would see an irony in you being in prison for being a getaway driver and, and playing a game like Grand Theft Auto, which involves driving around committing crimes. Yeah. Yeah. What stopped you? What what changed you? What stopped you? You know, you say you've not been in prison for since two thousand and eight. Yeah. What worked? What got, I'm assuming you're on the straight and narrow. What what what, yeah. what worked? What changed you? Um, well, I know obviously you can get a lot of these privileges and everyone like the materialistic things. It does seem nice and crispy, but um, is your punishment to not have things or to be locked away from society so you don't see your family? So there's a lot of other aspects that people forget that I'm Christian and then I feel like my my grandfather passed away while I was there I couldn't see, go to the funeral see that's um, that's a punishment that, those things like that are the punishment are the, aren't they those are the punishments yeah I mean I was in so within the first two months I'd watched a boy of, in the opposite of me open his wrists and a boy down the side 18 he committed suicide because the actual being locked in the cell it's the mental aspect that can get to a lot of people Harry in 20 seconds what are you doing now with your life um, I'm working, um, do volunteering for the community, 
um, play sport. Good stuff. Listen, we're going we're to move it out. Thank you very much for that. And I, I'm glad to hear that things uh, are going a little bit better for you. Well, Andrew Nielsen is from the Howard League, a penal reform charity. Good morning, Andrew. Andrew Good morning. What do you make of these uh, proposals? I think quite a lot of them are, are cosmetic, to be honest. Um, there, there's a bit of a restatement exercise going on here where things that were already the case are being re-announced as if they're new. Um, I mean, for example, the, uh, the fact that um, televisions wouldn't uh, be provided to prisoners on basic level, um, the fact that there'd be a kind of standardised list of items available in each prison for prisoners to buy, or that bad behaviour would lead to a potential downgrade. These are all things that, um, that uh, were already the case. But, there, but there, is, there are some changes, and there's a particular focus on prisoners in their first two weeks, which we are concerned about because it's doing things like restricting their access to private cash um, and making them wear uh, uniform at a time when um, we know that prisoners in that very early period of first being in jail are at their most vulnerable to suicide and self-harm. And, you know, if you're, a, for example, a prisoner with, say, a smoking addiction um, and you um, haven't got access to cash, then the chances are in that first two weeks you'll quickly get into debt from other prisoners buying cigarettes off them. There will be some people, Andrew, listening to this saying, tough. You shouldn't have mugged that old lady. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have beaten up that bloke. You shouldn't have robbed my mum's house. Tough. Well, I think the biggest issue there is what happens when they come out. And if, if, if they are um, being put into an unjust situation, and I'll come back quickly to why it's unjust in a second, mm. then the chances are that they'll feel even more angry with people than they did if when they, they went in. If they don't have why cigarettes for the first two weeks. I need so. to make it clear why it's unjust. Okay. Is that one of the things that the, the government is saying is that prisoners will be downgraded from these privileges if they're not engaging in purposeful activities like work, training, education. Now, I completely agree with that principle, but the problem is that the prisons are struggling to offer these activities. There's mm. a string of reports into prisons recently by prison inspectors saying that there's, they, they, they don't offer um, um, courses and that prisoners spend most of the time uh, lying on their bunks. Now, in that situation, it's not the prisoner's fault that there's an idleness going on that the prison itself is actually encouraging. Uh, and uh, have the government announced any plans to provide more services in prisons to, to help rehabilitation? Um, they, they, they've talked about it, but there's no sign of it actually happening. I mean, in the sense that the pr- prison service, like every other public service, is facing um, budget cuts, and it has, in fact, faced budget cuts year on year for, for many years prior to this government coming in. And that's the context in which they're struggling to provide these courses. Now, as I say, it's all very well to say, well, if prisoners don't engage, then, you know, they shouldn't get privileges like the ability to watch TV or to buy um, um, uh, snack foods or whatever it is. Um, but, but you do have to actually make those opportunities available. For Andrew, we have to end it there. Thank you very much. Andrew Nielsen uh, from the Howard League, a penal reform charity. <laughs> now... He's what uh, Jonathan? Where, where, the, where on earth is Jonathan Vernon Smith, Tim? Oh, I don't know. Sat at home watching. What is it? Bargain Hunt. He watches or something. Or Homes under the Homes hammer. Under the... He's at home. Yeah. He's he's going to be watching Kyle this morning. Let's be honest. Yeah, quite possibly. Get him some tips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope to, he's not listening. Ha- he's not listening to this rubbish. He'll be listening to Radio no. Four. Uh, 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 he'll be getting tips on how to do it properly. How to quite do it possibly. From Kyle the master. Yeah, he is the master of exploitation. Yeah. Jeremy Kong. Well, Jonathan should start doing lie detector results and DNA. You're really making things worse for you by yourself, by the way. He should start doing lie detector results and DNA. Well, no, I I genuinely think that 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 would be a a good thing to bring into the programme. Why not? Imagine you've got Jonathan there 
you've got some bloke, you've got two blokes mm. and a woman, yeah. a little baby in the corner, and he's got an envelope, and he, he, he gets the envelope. He goes, yeah. right, we're going to open this up. Right, okay. So we've got Steve and uh, Mark. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. You are yes. not, yes. you are not the father of Chantel. What? Mark. Got the DNA results back. Yeah. You're not the father of Chantel. <gasps> what? Now, um, Sophie, do you know who the fa- I can, yeah. Awesome! It would be awesome! I don't know. Is that how it works? I've never really watched it. I'm more of a, uh, what, Ricky Lake kind of a guy. But I just watch VHSs of Ricky Lake from the past. And just for people, all the problems are solved now. So it's fine. You can watch it kind of without any kind of guilt. Because yeah. everyone's fine now. Yeah. Some of them have passed away. Um, this morning on the programme... We're continuing discussion uh, about uh, prisons. I'm asking, do you think making prison tougher will make it more effective? That's the question we're asking. Uh, you've been discussing this all morning, so I won't go mm. over two minutes of details. No. It's November when this changes. Uh, it's part of the... I had this written down. It's the... Bum, 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 incentives and earned privileges scheme. So it's about whether prisoners should actively earn privileges by being good or whether they should just be rewarded for not being bad. Mm. It seems like a quite logical one for me. Yes. Um, but I don't... You... There was a programme on about three weeks ago, and um, it's not the kind of thing I generally watch, but I did sit down and watch it, and it was a... I think it was called Inside and Out, Prisons Inside and Out. It was on one of the channels on, on TV, and I can't remember which one. But it was very good. They are there good, was those a, channels. Oh, God, oh, the channels. Yeah. There was a guy who um, was in a London prison, and it followed his story, and um, he knew all the staff in the, in the prison, and uh, they were quite maternal and paternal t- towards him, and, and they all looked after him, and he knew when he was getting his meals, and he had quite a comfortable cell, he could watch a bit of TV, he played pool, I think he worked in the kitchens, he was quite happy mm. with, with his life. When he came out, he had nothing. He was homeless. And so he would try and find uh, some kind of minor way to get himself back into prison because that's where he felt comfortable. That is where he felt safe. And the question is, is that right? Is it right that he should only feel safe and only feel comfortable in prison because that's where he knows he's accepted, he's got friends? Yeah. Uh, or or should it actually be a, a lot harder? Um, the, now, the, the key thing is, about two weeks after he came out of this prison... He was moved... He was in and out of London. He was moved to a prison in Norfolk. He didn't know anyone. He didn't know any of the staff. He didn't know any of the inmates. And also, they didn't have the same meal times. They didn't have the same privileges. He hated it. He came out, and the first thing he said when he came out of this prison that was up in, in Norfolk, he said, I hated that. I never want to go wow. into prison again. Yep. So, what does that say? I mean, presumably, the tougher conditions meant it a place he didn't want to yep. go into. But I can understand that if you brutalise people, if you make it an awful rough experience and take away their humanity, then I suppose that's not preparing them to come out into the real world either. So, I don't know. I haven't been inside prison. You haven't been inside prison. No, neither has anyone in my family. But I would like to hear this morning from people who have been inside. I was very interested listening to to the the chap you had on a few minutes ago. People who have had that experience. Do you think that making prison tougher will make it more effective? If you've been inside, if you have relatives who have been inside... Was it tough enough? Should it be tougher? Or actually, is it quite right that we should be giving people incentives, we should start to humanise people, start to prepare them for the real world? I'm interested to hear your view. 08459 I'm also interested in this picture that you've just put out in front of me. It's a nice picture that I've been... Uh, Paul Scoyne sent me of you playing tennis. Yeah, nothing weird about that. Son's clothes. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
If you missed Tim filling in for Jonathan yesterday, it was a cracking listen. I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. I, you, hey, Jonathan, if you want to take the whole week off, do you know what I mean? You, you just no, no. I just think he deserves a break, and Tim deserves a break into show business. You know, both helping each other. I just thought, you know, it was a really good listen. Now, it all kicked off at a council meeting in Luton last night. It's all because free transport for faith schools is to be scrapped. Pupils and parents from Cardinal Newman Roman Catholic School started jeering from the public gallery. Well, members of the executive walked out, refusing to return until they left the building. It took a while for people to realise what had actually happened, but when they did, they were very angry. Is there anybody else from the executive who wishes to comment? No? The recommendation is report before you. Remember, they're very clear what the recommendation is. Is that agreed? Agreed. Thank you. Can we have a go? What, what is it? Do we get the buses or do we not get the buses? No, we don't get the buses. So we don't get the buses. So I explained right at the beginning of the meeting how the process is going to work. So but you didn't listen to a word to say. You don't really understand the traffic on the road. This report is before the members are there any questions on this report from other members of the executive? What about the bosses? There's a question. That report is there for members. Are those is it agreed? Thank you very much. Well, Laura Wilkinson has two children at the school and another will go there in September. She spoke at the meeting last night. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. Why should council taxpayers continue to pay for transport for your children? I think um, the point is being a little bit misunderstood on the show this morning. The point is not about who pays for the transport. Our main issue is we are worried for our children's safety getting to school because at the moment there's an 800 line which Arriva supplies that runs directly from different bus passes around the town to Cardinal Newman. If the free funding stops, that bus, we're not, con- we're not, you know, we're not confirmed that that will still run because there's no subsidy going into Arriva to make sure that it's profitable for that to run. Hazel so Simmons. children will have to get two buses Hazel Simmons has said that she will, she'll talk with Arriva to get a direct private bus service. Hazel Simmons says an awful lot of stuff, Ian, but I'm afraid I have no faith left in Luton Borough Council. After our meeting we had last week out at Cardinal Newman that we fought to get, because for some reason she didn't want to talk to us. She says she likes to talk to us. She didn't want to talk to us. We had to demonstrate outside the town hall her to meet with us. And we had emailed, and we, she never emailed us back. So um, here, Hazel Simmons says an awful lot of stuff, but unfortunately, all that she says isn't watertight. But it is. It, 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 I still don't. No one's been able to under, explain to me, Laura, why. I, I think that's the problem. A lot of people don't understand. Well, maybe you our can explain situation. to me. Maybe you can explain to me. No one's been able to explain to me why uh, the children that go to this Catholic school should mm. be um, given free transport when other children have to pay for it. Well, the main thing is the school was originally, there was supposed to be four local Catholic high schools near all the primary schools around Luton. Um, we've gone back and we've really dug into this. There's been a committed team that have gone and looked. We've been over to the Bedford, Bedford archives. And these four schools all were supposed to have a local high school. But then the council decided that they didn't want these. They needed the one that was upside Sacred Heart in Ashcroft Park for Ladies' Awareness School. 
Um, and when was this? When was this? Other purposes. That was back in the 1960s. Okay, so it's in the 60s. That's that's 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, but the school hasn't moved. It hasn't got any nearer no, to Luton. but you knew, you knew where the school was when you decided to send your didn't. children. I actually didn't, Ian. You've got that wrong. I've got a child starting in Sorry. September. Well, you, hang, on, hang on a second, Laura. If you don't know where your child is going to school, that's I irresponsible, did. isn't it? The funding was still in place, Ian. When I chose that school, right. when the admissions come out and I got my so, book but you kn- it, So you knew where the I school was? Through, I knew school was, but there was still transport that was being run okay. out of Carl Newman. But, but no, you, again, Laura, you, apart from this, this, this privilege that was given to you 45 years ago, you've yeah. still not explained why these children at the Catholic school should get free transport when other schools don't. We're, we're actually not saying they should get free transport. What we're, what we're fighting for is to keep the 800 line buses that go. So my son, when he's 11 and 3 weeks old, because to be taught with a Catholic ethos, I don't want him to have to go from round green on a bus into town, wait round the back with the winos and the drunks, and then battle for the 24 bus along with the six-form children, the Barnfield Why? children, the Ixnil children, because I feel he's too young to do that. 11's so not I too young to get in my car. 11's not too young to get on a bus. I don't no. let my son to go to the shop in Luton on his own. I'm sorry, Ian, you need to open your eyes. My eyes, Laura, not, Laura, my eyes... It's not a safe town for people to let Laura, 11-year-olds... My eyes, I don't think you'll find many 11-year-olds that are allowed to freely walk around to Luton on their own. Can't you drive him to school? Well, that's what we're planning to do, and I think that's where... Then there's the no problem. really going to come in for LBC. Well, I think if, you, um, if you've seen anything of our demonstration on the 25th of March, yeah. when we all drove to Cardinal Newman School, and there was only really about 150 cars, it brought the A6 to a standstill. Right. And that's what will be in store, I'm afraid, because the councillors don't seem to worry about the local residents, about the blue light... But what about... It, it costs, they've got to save. To the council, the council have to save. another 4,000 The council have to save. Forty-five million pounds. So yes, they do. Uh, so they have and to they make also cuts. Also, have fifty-two million pounds in reserves. Okay, uh, and, and the cuts are underspent by ten point two million pounds okay. this year. And the cuts that they're making. There are so many people who would say, "This is just a this." Listen, you, you choose to send your child to a school that's not near you. I do. Yeah. Pay for it. Well, do you know what? The ultimate thing is, Ian, if I'd known about the transport being cut and that there wasn't going to be a direct bus, a guaranteed direct bus, I probably would have chose Stopsley. But because the council are underhanded and they decided to make this decision after we'd all put in our application for where we wanted our children to go, so the choice is now taken out of my hands because I can get a place in Stopsley now if I wanted to, my catchment school. And this is the other problem because coming... Up next year, when people do know now that there will be no direct bus that goes, we will all start feeding off of our local schools, which are enormously oversubscribed. And come 2015 in Luton, there actually isn't enough school places. But so that's a different people, argument. What the, what, what the council the school will have to do then is, a different argument, is they it? will have to start bussing children that actually don't want a faith education. They're right. going to have to start bussing them out to Carl Newman. Isn't but it naive it's going to, be a to think duty that then, councils can keep operating in the same way? Well, no, because we're running out of time. No, Laura, it's not, because we're running out of time. It's really important. We're running out of time, Laura. Laura, we're running out of time. That point's been made several times. Is oh, it, has it? Yes, it has. Uh, is it not, not naive to think that councils can keep operating the same way? T- times change. We're in tough times, aren't we? Yeah, but I would have thought our children would be lasting 
for, um, you know... For well, cars. and disabled people would have thought uh, when, they would have been last and elderly people would have thought they were last. And... of £121,000, yep. I would have really thought, and they get consultants in every other day to waste more money when they can throw pop concerts that, you know, ruin the town. They've got a busway that's costing ridiculous amount of money, which has been proven that it's gone back bankrupt in 11 other towns. Nobody wanted it. We were told it was there to bring business into Luton. From Dunstable, the ghost town, it's worse than Luton. I think um, it's just disgusting. I don't think they've thought about it. I think they've just, they, they never consulted people on whether they wanted this, the busway. They didn't consult us. Their procedure on how they've done this to us is majorly flawed. Whether people agree with it or don't agree with it, you should, there's certain procedures that should be followed when you're going to try and make these cuts. And Luton Borough Council have not done that. And that could be their major downfall. Laura, thanks very much for coming on this morning. Thank you. Laura Wilkinson there. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. I tell you what, the last 30 minutes of the show, we'll, uh, we'll open up the phone lines. You can give us a call, 08459 455 555. The two topics that seem to have you um, on the uh, edge of your seats. Prisons, uh, going to be reforms in prisons. Do you think we're too soft on prisoners? 08459 455 555. And uh, a lot of very angry mums uh, about the changes to the, fr- or the, the, the the cancellation of the free bus service for the Cardinal Newman Catholic School. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. I am. It, if you're angry, do give us a call. And apparently, we've got some angry mums lined up. Always happy to talk to angry mums. They're my favourite kind of mums. Uh, but I'm, I really am struggling. Am I being? Am I being stupid here? I'm not d- deliberately being obtuse. Am I being stupid? I can't understand why these these, these kids at the, the Catholic school should get free transport when pupils at other schools don't. I, I know it's been there since 1969, 44 years, but that, that doesn't mean it's going to be there forever. Things change. If someone can explain to me why these people should get free transport 08459 455 555 and if you pay for your kids to go on the bus or your kids walk or they ride their bikes or you drive them to school are you angry that these mums are getting so angry that their free bus transport has been cancelled love to hear from both sides of you if you're upset that the the free bus has been cancelled 08459 455 555 or if like me you're left scratching your head a little bit because you don't quite understand what all the fuss is about. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. It's getting feisty on Facebook, and I love it. Play nice, play nice, but it, you, it's getting feisty. Andrea says facebook.com forward slash bbc three cr. By the way, uh, Andrea says if it was any other religion, the race card would have been used long before the ink was dry. The council have been racist to the Catholic religion. Well, that's not possible, but okay. The council have been racist to the Catholic religion, denying Catholic children the right to their choice of school to save money. Well, their their choice hasn't been denied, and you can't be racist towards a religion. Neil says, why as a taxpayer should I be subsidising someone else's choice on school? The council has better things to spend the money on. The Catholic Church has staggering levels of wealth and could easily pay for its own buses rather than expecting the rest of Luton people to pay for it. Uh, Dawn says, We shouldn't fund travel to any choice of school. 
I have to pay to get my kids to a school because I choose to take them out of catchment. As adults, we make choices in life. Uh, uh, why, when they think that others are going to pick up the bill if your choice is expensive? And on the text, 81333, Jen of Houghton Regis says, I used to get a train to school at the age of 15, then a bus from a seven, and by 11, year olds, by 11 years old was quite capable of the bus journey to grammar school. Why don't these parents drive their children to school if the kids are so unstreetwise? 08459 555 Philomena Caldwell. Good morning, Philomena. Uh, Philomena? Philomena, where are you? Philomena, are you there? No, Philomena will come to you uh, in a little bit. You seem to have uh, dropped off. Clementine's in Luton. Good morning, Clementine. Hi. Hi, Clementine. What, what, what's your take on the, 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 this bus service being well, axed? my children actually go, they don't go to Carden Newman, but the plan will be that they will eventually. Yep. Um, and I just wanted to make the point that somebody's not actually said, is that do people realise that Carden Newman actually gets less funding than the other high schools? And that as parents, we make up the difference... What, why does it get less less funding? Because it's a Catholic safe school. And we have children, parents, because we've uh, chose to send our children there, we put in a minimum donation every term. How much uh, is that donation? Uh, well, it's just a minimum amount from us that we choose to give. How much do you choose to give? Uh, well, the minimum will be about £15. I'm not sure of the exact oh. figures. 15 quid? Um, but, yeah, each oh. term. Yeah, well, so how many terms are there? Three terms? Yeah, but it's still the point is, it's, it gets 45 quid. a lot less funding than the other schools. Well, Clementine. Which no one seems to have been aware of. I thought you were going to say a few hundred quid. 45 quid a year. Well, it's still, it's still that's, that's a minimum. That's a minimum figure. How much do you give? Uh, well, I don't want to say that. Why? Because I just choose not to say it. Is it, is it, it 15 quid? It changes every month. Right, it's OK. Not, it's more than that, but it's, it's just the point that Cardinal Newman does get a lot less funding. OK, but why should you get free buses? Well, it's not, it's not about the free buses, it's about the safety of the children. Why would they be... I'm, I'm confused, I thought it was about free buses, I thought that's what everyone was complaining yeah, about last it night. it is about the free buses, but if you think all these people decide that they, they don't want to send their children to their faith school... Right. Um, ..and they decide, well, I don't want to do this... Right. Um, ..and I want to send it to my local school... Yeah. ..which could be sort of Stocksley, Putridge, anywhere like that... Yeah. ..the schools are going to be oversubscribed. And you have the stats to back that up, do you? No, I'm just saying that, that you know, right. eventually people are <laughs> going to think about that, aren't they? Well, if they got, if the school's too far away for them and they can't afford um, to, 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 for the transport, then yes, but, but why should... I sort of understand why I should be paying for their transport. Well, because it's just an agreement that's in pay, been in place for so long. For 44 years and things change. And people are, children, are sending their children because... They wanted to send their children to a Catholic because they, school. OK. Clementine, I'm, I'm still... I, this thing about the agreement being... Four, it's 1969 this was put in place, where the council said, yeah, we'll give you free transport. 1969. I wasn't even born when that agreement was put into place. A lot of those mums that are so angry weren't born when that was put into place. It's not a covenant etched in law that's going to be there forever. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'm struggling here. I'm really struggling, and I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying not to be argumentative, or or bullying, or anything like that. I would love it if someone could call up and explain a better argument than, well, some of the schools will be oversubscribed, and it's been there since 1969. Surely, if you choose to send your child to a school. <clears throat> that is some distance away from you, 
it's ultimately your responsibility to make sure that you can get that child to that school, whether it's by driving, whether it's by paying for their transport. That's your responsibility, isn't it, as a parent? 08459 455 555. Andrew in Leighton Buzzard has emailed... It seems like a reasonable situation to remove the funding from optional school transport. After all, the children affected are going to the school through choice, not through council allocation. Why are the schools not looking at providing the funding for the transport if it's so central to their pupils' well-being? The cost could be subsidised with the amount passed on to the parents, decided by the school and its governors. In Leighton Buzzard, the upper schools provide transport across town so that pupils can choose the school which suits their needs best. From the school's perspective, it's also a way to help increase headcount and ultimately, of course, funding. I must admit, I'm not aware of the funding arrangements for this transport, but it it is school, not authority, organised. 08459 455 555 is the telephone uh, number. Well, Dee Drennan has a child at the school, but she lives on Warden Hill, where the school is her main concern. uh, Where the school is her main concern is the increase of traffic in the area. Morning, Dee. Explain your worries, Dee. Oh, you're there. Sorry, I joined the wrong fader. Explain your concerns, Dee. Right. The school run time is busy for everybody at all schools. If the buses are withdrawn because they are not financially viable for Arriva to continue, then people will have to drive their kids to school. There will be an increase of cars on the road. At no point did Luton Borough Council consult with residents. At no point... Did they come and ask me what the impact this would have on my family and other residents around me? There is only one way in and out of Warden Hill Road and Links Way and the golf course and the stables. If there was a fire or an ambulance required, there would be that could have serious detrimental effects to someone's life. If there are hundreds of extra cars on the road, and no way for these emergency services to get in and out. How busy is... Uh, how long does the drop-off and pick-up time take at school? 20 minutes, half um, an hour? Right. At the last drive to Newman Gate on the 25th of March, yeah. my daughter was didn't make her swimming lesson because it took me 40 minutes to get out of my road. OK, but you don't, you'd anticipate I, that if that was the daily, the daily situation. You could anticipate that, couldn't you, and leave earlier? Why should my quality of life and what I do with my family be affected because the inadequacies of Luton Borough Council to effectively consult local residents and local emergency services. Why should my quality of life be affected by that? So, but just, just, I'm trying to work out, how long is the, the, the drop-off, how long does it take for all the kids to be dropped off at school in the morning? Half an hour? How long is the piece of string? Well, I, I, it no, depends on... Right, it, it, that, it that, you depends. can actually answer this question, but there is... What time do people start dropping off their kids, and what time do they finish dropping off their kids? Well, it could be any time from 8 o'clock through, round to about quarter to nine, I So, suppose. 45 minutes? Yes. So, uh, it, it, you know, it, you're making it sound like it's going to be like that all day. It's not. It's going to be 45 minutes at the top of the day, 45 minutes at the end of the day. So, but, the, the, your argument about the emergency saying, services is slightly flawed. No, it isn't slightly flawed, because at those times during the day, and it's not just my road, it's the A6, it's Leegrave Road, it's Barton Road, it's everywhere. The whole, on the day of the drive to Newman Day, traffic was at a complete standstill, okay? I'm simply pointing out that, as far as I'm aware, Luton Borough Council did consult emergency services to find out what the impact would be on those services at those times of day. 
Dee, uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much indeed. Well, it kicked off at a council meeting in Luton last night. It's kicking off on this show this morning as well. It's all because uh, pupils and parents from Cardinal Newman Roman Catholic School started jeering from the public gallery of the town hall last night when the borough council announced that free transport for faith schools was to be scrapped. 08459 455 555. I've got ten minutes. Ten minutes. A lot of angry people this morning. Always happy to talk to angry people. Also, if you're... If you're on the other side, if you pay to get your kids to school anyway, you drive them to school or they get the bus or, and you have to pay for that, do you understand why these people are argue, uh, angry? Or are you sat there scratching your heads? A lot of people on uh, Facebook this morning, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Uh, 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 well, here's Claire. My son goes to a school that's not in his catchment area and we have to pay for his school bus. So why shouldn't they if it's not their catchment school? Um, there was, uh, um, another comment from Barbara. The only reason is the mums can put the kids on the free bus and get on with their lives. Now they'll have to put themselves out. Welcome to the real world. Patricia's in Luton. Patricia, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I've listened to a lot of the show this morning, uh, and my concern is that the council are really making a short-term decision. Because they, they're saying that by removing the denominational free transport now, my fear is, is that it's only going to move it into statutory free transport in the coming years. In 2014, 2015, every senior school place in Luton will be required, and I have the figures on that because the council provided them. And my concern is that children that would have gone to Cardinal Newman School will now have no choice financially but to go to their more local community school within their catchment area. So it's going to displace a lot of children who then will be outside of the three-mile zone and the council will then have to statutorily pay their transport to get to school. So I think Hazel and her executive have made a very short-term decision uh, regardless of the consequences that are two, three years down the line because they probably won't be in administration then because no one will vote them in. So my concern is that they are not making the decision based with a long-term view do you have children at cardinal newman i in t- my i two in two years time it yep. was my intention for my children to go but i would probably have to reconsider my school selection now because of the cost barbara I on mean, facebook raises a good point why don't the, the school and the parents all get together and pay for putting the a school bus on the road yourselves yeah, but the thing is, you've got to remember that Luton, a lot of people, if they're on free, free school meals, they will still get free transport. If they are a low-income family but are not entitled to benefits, they won't have the finances. And my, my husband and I both work, but £16 a week per child, and I have two children, that's just going to be financially unviable for us to continue. Well, but, if you, but what I'm saying is, if, if what Barbara is suggesting is, if the whole school got together and, and the parents got together, you could afford... To, to pay for a, your, your own school bus, and it wouldn't be £16 a week per child, would it? I think it would still be a high amount, even if it's £10 a week. That's a lot of money. I mean, you, they, children go to school for how many weeks a year? You know, that's still a lot of money to find for a family, when you have, particularly if you have more than one child. So the reality is a lot of people will now have to go to their local community school. So it's going to displace the whole equilibrium of the admissions process of Luton. And I'm really, really disappointed and frustrated that Hazel and her executive have not even responded to parents' concerns and emails and letters. They've completely ignored them. So they're not listening to their voters. So this is a bigger impact, and it's 
far wider reaching. It's going to affect every senior school in Luton, not just Cardinal Newman. It's going to affect, so you're going to be talking to parents in a year's time who can't get their child into Barnfield South or who can't get their child into Chorley because parents that would have sent their children to Cardinal Newman can no longer afford to do so. So this has a huge impact across all of the secondary schools in Luton. Patricia, thank you very much indeed. A good point. Well made. Thank you. 08459 455 555. Does this affect you? Your kids go to Cardinal Newman. Are you furious? We did uh, with lots of interesting points coming in on the, 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 the Facebook. Um, Sarah says, as a Catholic, I want to apologise for the absolute drivel coming from some people this morning. I attended a faith school when I lived in Luton. People need to wake, uh, wake up and make appropriate choices for their children. Just because they don't go to a faith school doesn't mean they don't have faith. I went to a comprehensive and still turned out OK. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Kevin's from Milton Keynes. Morning, Kevin. Morning. What, what, what do you make about this? A lot, lot of very angry mums this morning. Um, I, I don't see what the problem is. If they want people to go to a special school, then surely if it's out of their catchment area, like I had to in the eighties, you know, you, ha- you have to walk or you have to take your own kids. And uh, you know, people people want to send their kids to special schools and everything else, and they're moaning because they can't have free transport. Well. T- send them to the school where they don't need free transport. Let's go through some of the arguments that have been raised this morning, uh, uh, Kevin. Uh, mm. th- this agreement has been in place since 1969 that the council would supply free transport. Right. You're not buying that one? Um, well, no, not really. I mean, uh, I mean, people, people, people have got their different uh, things that are important to them, haven't they? People who go to Cardinal Newman, they obviously they have got their kids' best interests. But to be fair, you know, half of them are saying... Oh yeah, we we want to send their kids there because it's all faith. Well, faith and religion—it's the biggest, the biggest problem this world faces. Everyone's all concerned about faith and doing things properly and this, that, and the other. Are they forgetting that you know pensioners are having things cut? You know, ambulance services and police forces are having things cut. Debs makes a, a, a good point. She said one of the arguments is that all oh, the traffic is going to be terrible if all parents are driving their kids. Deb says, well, surely the parents will take turns in driving so there won't be one child in each car. Bit of car sharing goes a long way. Kevin, do, do you have any sympathy for, for these, these parents at all? I mean, Patricia was making a, a good point that this could throw off the equilibrium of the schools in the next couple of years and that uh, it, it, in the end, the council will end up paying for free transport because lots of kids will be moved out of their catchment area. Well, if they're out, like I say, if they're out of their catchment area, then it's down to their parents to, to make sure that their kids get to school, isn't it? I mean, they can't, you can't just expect to go, oh, I want to go to this school and, oh, I need it to be free transport. That's not, that's not how we work in this day and age. Uh, Kevin, thank you very much indeed. Giuseppe? Hello. Hello, yeah, what, what, what do you make about all of this? I just think that it's completely outrageous what's going on, to be honest. What, that they're getting rid of the, sco- the, the bus? Yes, definitely. Why? Well, because I went there for five years, and I just, you know, it all went according to plan. I've got a young been. Yeah. That's going to be going to the school, and she's just not going to get what I got. I think it's completely unfair, and a lot of parents and children are going to be suffering. It's just completely outrageous. Why should I pay for your sister to get the bus to school? Because it's just principle. Well, the, ah, principles don't really work when the council has to make a saving of £45 million. Sorry, say that again. Princi- principles don't really have much standing when the council has to save forty-five million pounds. I don't think it's fair uh, that I should pay for your sister to to get the bus to school when other students have to make their own way to school. 
Well, I still think that, um... Okay, thank you very much. Let's go to Matt from Hitchin. Morning, Matt. Morning. Matt, we've got, we've got about 30 seconds. What, what do you think about this? Um, I think it's a bit unfair for the existing students, really, um, more than anything. Uh, any, any changes like that, fair enough, taking away the free bus travel, but it should be brought in on future students rather than existing ones. So you but, think it should be kind of, it should be phased out, so everyone that's there now will get free transport for the rest of their school time there, but, but any new students joining from, from September shouldn't get the free transport? That's correct, yes. I mean, as, as you've made a comment, you, you've sort of said fairly that uh, any parent should be able to get their child to school. When they put the children in the school, obviously the funding was in place, they did have a method of getting them there. Mm. And it could seriously affect their education and their exams if they have to change into a different school syllabus. Uh, Matt, thanks very much. Just ending the end next, I want to get in one text from Sandra and Woburn. Everyone who chooses to live close to a school knows that in the morning and afternoon there'll be disruption from parents. I wholeheartedly agree that parents should pay for their own bus service. It was their own choice. Well, feisty morning. Again, I, I can only blame Adam Glynn. Thanks for that. Very much appreciated. Brilliant. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Go to the Facebook page. The debate continues there. Letting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 